0: Warning, the following podcast may contain some fits of extreme nerd rage, especially when it comes to the world of professional wrestling. As such, there may be a few colorful pieces of language thrown around. Listener discretion is advised. Yo, you there? Yeah, I'm here, man. What's up? Uh, nothing
1: much right now.
0: All right. Well, we are live. We are on stereo, guys. This is something brand new for us. Um, Normally, we've just been doing our own little podcast and kind of doing our thing on another platform, but we decided to give this a try for the evening. So, uh, yeah, welcome to the very first episode of what I'm calling Talk About Raw Impact. This is a weekly show that myself and Ryan will be doing in order to talk about and review. Everything that has kind of come up on Monday Night Raw and Tuesday Night Impact. So, yeah, this is just going to be kind of our thing. We're going to just sit here, we're going to talk, we're going to shoot the shit, all of that good stuff. Yep. All right. but before we get too deep into that, we do have a couple of short little things that we do want to cover off the top. Just a couple quick news stories. So, apparently... Uh, Shinsuke Nakamura is not happy with his WWE status, and given the way he's been booked lately, I can't necessarily say I blame him, dude. Yeah, I'm not surprised
1: either. I mean, of course, as a, I got into Nakamura at the time he showed up on NXT and got to find a couple of his matches in New Japan, but even then, given his age, the moment he showed up in NXT, the fact that the crowd was over with him, he put on great matches with Sami Zayn, Kevin Owens, and Samoa Joe. Along with uh, that, his one-on-one with Balor, I thought WWE should have booked him like a main eventer. He didn't have to immediately go for the championship, but whenever he was fighting, you'd make sure that the match felt important. But then after yeah. that, yeah. But then after that first run he did against, they pit him against Jinder Mahal. It really showed. They really hurt his stock.
0: Oh yeah, I mean, hands down, they absolutely, unequivocally, just torpedoed him the almost the second he showed up on the main roster it's just absolutely ridiculous but you know and especially after being told that your job isn't to be a star your job is to make stars and considering how massive his star power was while he was in new japan i mean that's just got to be absolutely friggin' insulting man
1: yeah it, it really is uh, especially the fact that um fact that uh, Triple H and William Regal, when they sign these international stars to bring them to the NXT, uh, to you know, WWE adjacent, it shows to me that Triple H really does see a future with these stars in this company, not just to make his brand look great, but also that they can contribute a lot to Raw, SmackDown, and also bring in new audiences to different forms of wrestling. But, I mean, nothing to get too uh, complaining about. It's just kind of like We understand they have to go through the system. They have to go through WWE's rules, you know, really understand how they do things. But it really felt as if that, at least when it came with Shinsuke, that Vince was willing to overlook the whole um, second language barrier. Apparently, he wasn't.
0: Nope. And it's, it's unfortunate because we know, like, based on his track record in New Japan, like Nakamura is a star for god's sake i mean he you can take anything that he chooses to do and he can turn any few that you give him into money i mean if yeah. you just give him the freedom to actually do what he's meant to do it will be absolutely massive and it sucks that he's just been pigeonholed as the guy to put over those quote-unquote real stars yeah and it is kind
1: of disappointing. Uh, look, I I will say after they did that little heel turn with him and AJ, I knew that him and AJ would have a great run of matches. But the problem was is that it seemed to me that I, I, look, honestly, I can go through all of this what what they've done with Shinsuke's run, but even then, it still wouldn't compare. It still wouldn't uh, really sum up my feelings on why Shinsuke really was not treated like the main eventer he should have been. I understand when you show up at WWE. Sometimes what you did in the past, like in past companies, the rep you built won't mean anything. But you have to. But but if you're gonna do all this fanfare, all this marketing over, you signed the hottest free agent, the biggest international star. You can't just all of a sudden throw them on the raw and then treat them as if it, they're a rookie and it's their first day on the job.
0: Yeah, I mean it's it, it's it's just piss poor etiquette when I, as far as i'm concerned because you're right nakamura was a massive star by the time he came away from njpw he truly was and to see the the lack of just any kind of f's given about who he is and his star power that he brought is just it, it's pitiful i'm sorry to say but you know what i mean nothing
1: do do? sorry to say about it honestly it's just it it I mean, we want We want better. We really want better. We want to be in, invested in WWE. But if they can't get invested in one person that they, dra- that they bring over from uh, New Japan, Ring of Honor, any other independent wrestling company, and they treat it as if you're never going to be bigger than us, the people that we want to see are bigger than you, despite no matter how many times the crowd says, we like this guy, we want to see this person go along. Whether they they love or boo them, it's all about the narrative they construct. But personally for me, I thought Shinsuke was finally about, I really thought that they turned a corner with Shinsuke when they gave him his old music back a couple weeks ago before the Royal Rumble. And I thought they were going to be like, this is going to be the next person to challenge Roman Reigns for the championship. But then, you know, after the of Cesaro re-signing, they wanted to make him happy. So I'm like, you, you, what happened to your juggling game? Like, did you guys forget that you can create a heavy stacked uh, top, like uh, m- a main event card, and still have a
2: great uh, mid-, mid card? Without how did so- Shinsuke not win a title after winning the Royal Rumble? That's ridiculous. Like, he should have been champion for a long, long time.
0: Yeah, no, you're not absolutely not wrong, Echo Spider. You you hit the nail on the head. He should be a multiple-time world champion. There's a bunch of people at WWE right now who should be multiple-time world champions, and it's, it's criminal that they're not.
1: Cesaro to be one for exact. He
0: should have been the champion yep. before. He should have been a
1: champion after he did the – after he won the Andre the Giant Battle Royale, his stock was really high, and people were loving him. I'm like, that was someone you should have immediately put into a main event title push. Oh, hell yeah.
0: So, yeah, I'm gonna say unfortunately, no use crying over spilled milk, although it doesn't stop the internet from trying oh. anyway. Let's go ahead and move forward. Uh, the next little bit of news is apparently, uh, the Wednesday night wars are over. Um, because it has apparently been decided that NXT is going to be moving to Tuesday nights very soon. So, yeah, uh, I guess they figured out trying to go head to head with AEW just wasn't helping their bottom line at all. So, Um, I think this is a lot of people are going to see this as, you know, WWE whistling out, you know, throwing in the towel, giving up this side or the other. And while, you know, internet's going to internet, my whole thing on this is it's, it's a smart business decision because neither one is, uh, neither one is necessarily tanking, but it definitely, they definitely could each be doing better and not having that direct competition each night to where they can actually start having enough individual viewers rather than trying to split it between the two shows, I think is going to be massively beneficial to both products. Yeah.
1: I do agree as well. And while, of course, yes, there's going to be some in the internet that's going to see this as uh, NXT like in the NXT throwing in the towel. You know, they lost. But no, you are right. This is a smart business decision because. Finally, one of the biggest one of the few complaints of NXT going head to head with AEW was that they were creating these main event almost pay per view style matches just to compete against AEW, and they didn't have to. All they just had to do was just book, make the matches, you know, uh, make the storylines that they wanted to do, and then you know what's going to happen? People are going to watch them anyway. Like I didn't need to see uh, Finn Balor going up against. Kyle O'Reilly, or uh, Roderick Strong, or, or Adam Cole, so I just don't so so have to tune to AEW, guess what? I was going to watch them again anyway. It's just that most of what NXT was doing with their card didn't put a lot of confidence in me to want to watch the full two hours.
0: Exactly. And I mean, let's face it, with this past week's episode of NXT, which we'll talk about mañana, Um, We're going to have a lot to talk about that I really didn't find, even with all the hype That they put around the women's tag team title match I really didn't find that much to get hype about Except for, you know, the The whole Undisputed Era Breakup thing, drama still going on Other than that, I really Could have cared less what was going on, unfortunately Yeah And it
1: it just once again Falls into them not treating the women's tag division Not trying to build a tag division They had they had a, even before the whole COVID situation happened. They had themselves a stack. They had a huge roster of women in both Raw and SmackDown, and they could have actually got, in, the, in the tag division, as I've, told, as I've said to you months ago, could have been a great way to slight to to do a soft introduction to some NXT to NXT superstars.
0: Absolutely, it absolutely could have been. It was a hum- humongous, humongous missed opportunity. You are absolutely not wrong. Um, But one way or the other, you know, Vince is going to Vince and the Internet's going to Internet and never the twain shall meet, unfortunately. Yep. Um, All right. So just to cap cap things off, uh, it looks like AEW has been showing some interest in a fired WWE superstar, former WWE superstar, shall we say. Uh, Apparently, Tony Khan has been courting. The services of one Thea Trinidad, aka the former Zelina Vega. Um, personally, I think it's something uh, Thea should look into because honestly, not only I not only do I think she could be very very successful there as a manager, but I also think she could be very very successful there as an in ring competitor. I mean, I know we've got a very very strong. Uh, Latino and Hispanic, you know, roster there, you, you know, Santana and Ortiz, you got Dasha, you got uh, just a, a slew of other folks, the, the Lucha Bros, you know, and I feel like she would fit in great with that contingent. I could see her easily maybe managing uh, Ivelisse and Diamante. I could see those three being a very, yeah. very strong unit in AEW. So uh, hopefully she is oh. able to do something with them.
1: I, I carry the same sentiments as well. Uh, I know, Most likely, uh, it's just, rude. even though they are saying it's rumors, I do kind of think that there's some weight to it, but also at the same time, no idea how long FIA's no-compete clause is going to be. I mean, there is the normal 90-day compete clause, but certain situations, there have been wrestlers and superstars who are like, they had to wait 120 days or 180 days in order to finally, you know, start wrestling again. But with FIA, right. it can but personally, I think with Thea, it can. It, I think it falls to where, if she's ready, because mm-hmm. I follow her on Twitch, and I was and I saw that and I was watching the broadcast after she had gotten fired, to where she was emotionally uh, just distraught. Not like destroyed or anything. It was just she had to let all of her frustrations out, and she was just sharing it on Twitch with all of her followers. But even so, her if Tony Khan is looking to court her, I do mirror the same thing you said. She'd be a great manager for almost anybody. Um, well, is, like Evelise, I- Diamante, I can maybe even see her try to uh, have a bit of a tug of war for the services in Nyla Rose, honestly.
0: Yeah, I could see that playing out. Uh, you know, one to maybe compete with Vicky Guerrero for Nyla's services or... Again, if you want to play up the, you know, the former Impact, uh, you know, scenario there, she could be a good fit for Santana and Ortiz, all of them big TNA Impact alumni. So, you know, there's That's all true. kinds of different directions they could go with that. So they're especially all former members of, uh, in one way or another, LAX. Well, actually,
1: the, uh, when she was part of the Impact as Rosarita, she yeah, she did join, I believe, with Hernandez in a sort of LAX what but they were called Mexican America. Right,
0: with Anarchia, so, that's right.
1: Yeah, but that was Impact, though. But even then, yeah, I could see her joining with Santana Ortiz. She's going to talk about how she used to be part of Impact during the days when she was starting, and possibly maybe courting them away from the inner circle. That could tie greatly into a storyline of MJF trying to destroy the inner circle. From on, What happens next? Thea shows up, And she can say she can do for them what Jericho has been doing, taking them away from inner circle. Like really, like, that could really be a great storyline.
0: I mean, yeah, you've got something almost ready made there. It's just a matter of how quickly can they capitalize on it, which let's face it. I mean, there's any number of ways that they could potentially work that in. And, you know, the good thing with AEW is that they're still – granted, they've been around for a year and some change by now, but they are still fairly young to where they don't have a long amount of history of storylines and things like that to where they need to get bogged down in their own history in order to tell something. They can just pick something up fresh off the vine and just run with it.
1: That has been one of the positives I've been seeing at AEW because they're just so – they're so new but also they have they've always kept they kept sharing the same statement before they're not trying to compete with anybody but themselves and exactly at times and it had benefited them but it's also at times it hurt them
0: mm. yeah well i mean you've, you you got to wonder what exactly they're going to do because i mean they've got a big pay-per-view coming up on sunday and just based on the card it's got a lot a lot of potential a lot of potential to be great but also a lot of potential to set up for some grave grave disappointments if they're not careful. That's true. And, and, and I,
1: and of course, with Revolution, unfortunately, I, I mean, I, I have mixed emotions going in. Like, I'm still excited to see some of the matches they've set up, but then some of the other matches have kind of, not fallen, almost fallen to the wayside to where we almost forgot that, yeah, um, they have forgot, like, they've forgotten to remind people that Orange Cassidy and uh, Chuck Taylor were in a war against Miro and Kip Sabian. So when you right. see that match, you're like, wait, is this is still going on?
0: yeah i mean you're right they and that is a part of the issue right now is keeping all of their storylines relevant especially heading into their pay-per-view and being able to juggle the screen time and this and that with everything that they have got going on which is probably why they had to put most of the women's title eliminator tournament on dark because they just didn't have room for it on the show without having to sacrifice everything else they had going on which says to me you've got too much going on maybe slow your roll a little bit. I mean but
1: but also with the the previous announcement that they're doing I think AW Dark Elevation it looks like they they are finding another way to spread some of the uh the the content that they have on both shows because Dark has been getting much lo- ha- the the show has been getting much longer and longer honestly. It used to be like an hour, then it went to an hour and a half, now it was 2 hours and depending on how many wrestlers they keep going to bring in it's going to get to the point to where it's going to be longer than Dynamite, even though it's on YouTube.
0: Yeah, yeah, that is an unfortunate side effect. But time will tell with AEW what happens. And who knows, maybe uh, Thea Trinidad can find her way there. And who knows, maybe her, uh, her partner in crime, Tommy End, will make his way there as well. But that remains to be seen. That's enough speculation for now, though. Let's go ahead and move into what we're really here to talk about, which is Raw and Impact. So I'm going to go ahead and kick things off here this week. With the big right. things that went down on Raw. Hang on, we got ourselves a voice message first. Let's see what's up.
2: I watch be weekly, but <clears throat> I'm still not, like, tempted to go and check out Dark. Like, there's no appeal to me for it to go, to go watch wrestling on YouTube like that.
0: And you know what? That's absolutely fine, Echo Spider. You're absolutely not wrong in feeling that way. I'm sure there are a lot of people who feel the exact same way that you do. Honestly, yeah, I hold mean... that against
1: you, either, man. Uh, I, I, I was mainly watching Dark because I was just loving the alternate content. But then, yeah, like once you start seeing that, you have an hour and a half wrestling format, and it's kind of like uh, it's it, where you want your attention gets spread. I mean, I still watch Dark, but it's not like I'm keeping up with it every week, though. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Me, my schedule is so packed. Like, if, if I want to check out anything on Dark, I'll watch it. But if it just isn't something that's catching my attention or I haven't heard that something on BTE or has been announced for Dark or anything like that that I want to follow up with, then I generally don't. And you know what? It hasn't impacted my enjoyment of, you know, AEW Dynamite whatsoever. So, you know, the more they decide to do, it, it, it's it's both the blessing and the curse of being a a wrestling fan in... 2021 there yeah. is so much content out there that we can get to enjoy but at the same time there's so much content out there you know what i mean so it's it's a double-edged yeah, sword it, in it's a lot literally of ways a juggling act. it's a juggling
1: act unfortunately it absolutely no, 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 is it's kind of like a note that circus acts where you're balancing plates on like very on one minute on one millimeter thin sticks and it's kind of like you just gotta keep it uh keep them spinning keep them spinning But, unfortunately, in the end, it's like one of them is just going to fall off, and then you just can't keep up.
0: Yeah, and it it is very unfortunate because, ultimately, it makes you pick and choose the stuff that you ultimately want to watch. Now, obviously, because we're doing this show, we focus on, like I said, WWE, Impact, AEW, because those are the big players right now. When New Japan starts becoming a much bigger player, maybe we have to do more with that here in the States as well. So, it's going to get, uh, like, a lot of headaches. It's almost going to become, like, a second full-time job, and I've already got one of those. But... It is what it is. But anyway, let's go ahead and get into Monday Night Raw. So the very first thing that starts off this week's Monday Night Raw is a promo in the ring by the former WWE champion Drew McIntyre. He comes out there. He mentions, you know, the last couple, the last month hasn't really been great. His buddy Sheamus turned his back on him. He won the Elimination Chamber, but then was beaten down by Bobby Lashley, which ultimately caused him to lose the WWE title to the freaking Miz uh he does say though that he has a clear vision in his head of what's next regain the title main event mania pretty straightforward uh after that ms interrupts starts talking about cashing in on drew says look drew i get it you're upset i understand but you shouldn't be upset with me you should be upset at lashley he's the one who attacked you not me all i did was what anybody else in my position would have done cashed in my money in the bank at the opportune time to become wwe champion drew's not having any of this he says don't start trying to spin that crap with me It's not going to work. I know you had a hand in everything that was going on. Again, Miz deflects. He keeps trying to get Drew in order to help him go after Bobby Lashley, but Drew obviously isn't taking the bait. Miz even tries going so far as to convince McIntyre to join he and Morrison. They could be Miz, Morrison, and McIntyre, the three M egos. I cringed at that. Uh, Yeah,
1: that delivery from Morrison just, oh, God. I mean, why didn't you just say that? Why didn't you just go with the whole, like, we knew what you were going to go with. Just say, oh, we can be 3MB 2.0. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. that way it can just be... That way Miz and Morrison can, can still do a cringe performance, but it would fit more towards her character. Like, the three Miz brothers, or the three men beards, you know, like... The three uh, Miz-cateers. Exactly. You know, really build on that. And um Yeah. I did like how Miz... Is like in that character. You're seeing Miz do anything, showing desperation while trying to remain composed. You know, making sure that he's trying to convince Drew. And then I and I love the fact that Drew, he's not being written or portrayed as if he's gullible. He's like, no, I'm not buying it.
2: Stop asking. Yeah. I love how silly the new character of Mars is. I don't know, like I like them a lot in Impact and TNA and, and um the other league where he was Johnny Mundo, but. This goofy character, I really like.
0: I mean, the goofy character works in its own way. Because, I mean, it does work well with getting heat. Because you just want to slap him in the face and tell him to shut up. And uh, the specific fed you were thinking of where he was Johnny Mundo was Lucha Underground, if I'm not mistaken. Um, But in any case, eventually, MVP comes out to interrupt all of this nonsense. Says he hopes Drew isn't buying any of the crap that Miz is selling. Drew says he doesn't. Uh, MVP says, hey, Miz. Uh, by the way, you ought to know your match with Lashley for the WWE title that's scheduled for tonight, that's going to start promptly at 9 o'clock, so you better be ready. Uh, after that, Sheamus comes out and interrupts the whole proceeding. Everybody's getting mic time tonight. Uh, Sheamus says that Drew doesn't care about anybody else but Drew McIntyre, so obviously he's not going to help you know, Miz do anything that he's doing. McIntyre says, you know what, I'm done talking. Time to start fighting. Heads out of the ring, goes after Sheamus. Drew and Sheamus are brawling until they're ultimately pulled apart by the refs which then leads into a match between Drew McIntyre and Sheamus. Uh, But first of all, let's go ahead and wrap this up with that whole opening segment. Your thoughts on everything that went down, dude.
1: Well, other than my quick two cents, as I put on more of uh, this, I think it's a a very strong opening.
0: I'm having a hard time hearing you, man. Hello? Yeah, I would say I can hear you, but it's just like very, very quiet.
3: Jesus
1: Christ. I don't know if it's stereo
0: or... All right. Uh, let's let Ryan fix his audio there for a second. But we will soldier forward while we wait. Uh, we'll go ahead right into the Drew McIntyre versus Sheamus fight. It's your typical big boy brawl, which is great. It's a lot of stiff shots, a lot of strikes, hard Irish whips. At one point, you get a nice stiff knee from Sheamus to the face of McIntyre. Um, that causes Drew to like really favor his jaw throughout the majority of the match. Eventually, Drew does turn it around and hits 10 beats of the Bowering on Sheamus. Uh, Sheamus then eventually works his way back through, tries for the 10 beats on Drew, but Drew fights out. Seamus then is able to fire back with a bro kick, though, to knock Drew off the apron to the floor. When we get back from the break, Sheamus is then dominating Drew McIntyre once again. Hits the 10 beats, but then Drew fires back. Drew and Sheamus eventually fight to the outside. Drew is able to send Sheamus back first into the post and then once again into the edge of the announce table. Drew then suplexes Sheamus overhead and into the announce table once again, then hits a top rope clothesline in the ring for two. Drew tries for the future shock DDT, but Sheamus counters. Drew eventually kips up after Sheamus goes up top and hits the Glasgow Kiss on Sheamus to kind of rock him a little bit. Hits what looks like a future shock from the top rope, but only gets a two count. Uh, You get uh, back from another break. Match is still going on. Why do they give these guys this much time is the only thing going through my mind at this point. Uh, Seamus goes for White Noise. Drew counters out, hits a Spinebuster for two. Sheamus then eventually is able to fight back and hit the White Noise, but again only gets two. Sheamus goes for the, te- uh, the Irish Cloverleaf. Drew transitions into a pin, gets a two-count. Drew does hit the Future Shock DDT, again only gets a two-count from it. Drew then hits a White Noise from the second rope on Sheamus, also for two. At one point, Sheamus does get a chance to fight back, gets up to his feet, starts calling for the Brogue. Goes for it, but then Drew counters into the Claymore at the exact same time. Drew is able to get the pin and the win to start off Monday Night Raw in the terms of the in-ring action. So uh, it was an overall All decent right. match.
1: James, can you hear me?
0: Yes, I can hear you again.
1: Oh, thank God! Uh, I wasn't sure. Uh, maybe I just—I don't know—Stereo was just blooping out me. But uh, I—I—it I, started to fix itself when you were—you got off when you were like midway through your. This, uh, re- recapping uh, you know uh, Sheamus and Drew
0: okay well either way like I said overall I thought the match was fine it was a very good opener a very strong opener really I mean two big beefy boys I just thought it went on way way too long I like a two, uh, two three segment match to start off yes. Monday Night Raw I thought was just a little too much but I guess they had to pad for time until the whole WWE Championship shenanigans with Miz and Lashley later on in the show but uh, yeah. yeah your thoughts
1: well um I'll quickly just jump in, give my two cents on on the opening segment. Look, uh, Drew McIntyre, he came out and said exactly what he was going to say. You know, he said what happened to him sucked. He couldn't do anything about it. Pretty much a very straight through of his character, which I appreciated. He wasn't going to come out and just go, like, pointing fingers. He's like, yeah, what happened sucked. So what am I going to do about it? I'm going to get my championship back. And then with the match itself, um, him and Sheamus, this was a very good match, yeah. I was, unfortunately, I did not like the double commercials that played throughout there. First, they get in the brawl, and it's like the refs, the whole thing with the refs, first commercial. And then partway through the match after, like a white noise, and then another commercial. I just, this could have been, we could have just had one commercial, and they could have played this match like it was literally a war. You know, both of these men were not going to let up on each other. But I did appreciate how with mcintyre and drew they did play on how well they knew each other like drew using um uh Sheamus's, the 10 bit be- the 10 bells belfast or the 10 beats of belfast yeah
0: that move. 10 beats
1: of the bowering oh 10 beats of the bowering wow <laughs> i'm off on that but like i said i liked how you saw drew get to use some of Seamus's moves and then Seamus he got to use a bit of drew's moves um but i was amazed with um the brutality that was being shown—sure, it's kind of toned-down brutality—but at least it was enough for you to believe that. Seeing Sheamus being thrown at the on the edge of the announcing table looked like he could have really hurt himself. And then, of course, with Drew and Sheamus, the fact that they were on the second turnbuckle, white noise—like any miscommunication or one misplaced like fall or land could have really ended, like really, like really ended someone on a, like an injury list, but. I'm glad this was just a straightforward – nobody got extremely hurt, but the right person did win, which being Drew. That way it does set up It does set up him moving forward to go after whoever was the champion at the end of the night.
0: Yep, I mean, pretty straightforward. So we will definitely see what transpires. And I, you're right, I do like that they played up the history of Seamus and McIntyre, how well they knew each other, the 20-plus-year friendship that they've had.
3: I thought that yep. was a nice
0: touch. Alright, uh, then we go into an, our next match, which is Nia Jax versus Naomi. No, Naomi and Nia run into each other backstage prior to the commercial break.
3: Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: Naomi is pretty much just sticking and moving as much as possible, but is eventually caught by Nia. Ends up getting just, you know, woman-handled, thrown all over, you know, hither and yon. Eventually, Jax does hit the Samoan drop and a one-arm powerbomb in order to get the win. Pretty, pretty big squash, if you ask me, but again, we're building up to that eventual match between uh, Naomi and Lana with Nia and Shayna at another point because you know they're going to get a rematch at some point and I, I'm i sorry I just couldn't care less I really I just there is nothing absolutely zilch that the WWE has done to make me interested in the women's tag team division it makes it it, it, it inspires no passion whatsoever it does not move the needle at all
1: I'm of the same pin- I'm of the same mind um, they had an opportunity. When they were introducing the women's tag to, to when they when they were introducing the tag belts, we had a great opportunity earlier on when they had Bailey and Sasha as the two woman power trip. It could have been a good way to try to circulate them throughout each show of Raw, NXT, and SmackDown. But that was a they, they but they dropped the ball on that too. Or when they had the Iconics as tag champs, they really could have used the Iconics as a buffer to help uh, build and introduce some new teams coming in. But once again, they dropped the ball on that. It's it, it gets to the point to where Vince only introduced it because the people were clamoring for it, because he had no real plan for it at all. And yep. you can clearly see that. You, you I mean, you clearly can see it. After those belts went off of Bailey and Sasha, there was no plan. It was just
0: there. Mm-hmm. Yep. Vince is like, all right, we we did this. Now what the fuck are we going to do? Which is basically his attitude about the whole thing. So, don't know, uh, we'll see what that happens.
1: Part, yeah, but the match itself, yeah, that also was just no, nothing inspiring. It was obviously, like, either Naomi was going to win through a surprise, through chicanery, most likely a, most likely caused to Nia and Shayna's own down, downfall, or Nia squashed
0: Naomi. It was two predictable outcomes, honestly. Pretty much. There was... Again, nothing really to get hype about, nothing to write home about, just blech. Anyway, uh, something that is there to get hype about is Rhea Ripley is on her way to Monday Night Raw. Now, hopefully, for the love of God, Vince McMahon, I swear, if you screw up Rhea Ripley, if you screw her over the exact same way, you have literally, I'm sorry, I don't know if we're allowed to swear on here, but fucked up, if you fuck up Rhea Ripley the same way you fucked up every other NXT call up, I swear I swear to Krom you are done in my opinion
2: No, I'm of the same mind Nine and Shayna should have dropped those belts last night to uh, Raquel and uh, Dakota Kai and let the NXT women um, handle that because NXT has the best women division in all of wrestling probably
0: You know what, Echo Spider? You are absolutely not wrong. I would love to see them just transfer those women tag team titles to NXT because they'd actually matter. Yeah. It's one of the reasons why I felt that uh,
1: even though we didn't do no predictions, I personally felt to me that Dakota and Raquel were the ones who should be the champs. Like I said to you, like I said earlier, that women's tag titles could have been a great way to softly introduce NXT superstars to the main audiences because during the call-ups what did they always kept doing every time someone was called up it was like they had to they they gave them matches as if this was their first day on the main roster treating them like rookies even though they're they're mainly veterans they went through the system but it was always like vince is like okay you did great in the minors but now you're in the major leagues so that was something that always bothered me how he treated yeah, his um, again treated the wrestlers but yeah
0: And again, it's Vince McMahon's massive ego coming into play, which, let's face it, is always in play. Yeah.
1: But we will definitely get more on NXT like on the next episode, though. But I do agree. Absolutely. Dakota and Raquel really should have
0: had those belts. Oh, without a doubt. And that's the thing is out of all the, the tag teams in WWE right now, we have never seen an NXT tag team hold those titles. And it's about overdue, if you ask me. But in any case, let us go ahead and move forward. We have now, w- the WWE Championship is on the line. The Miz versus Bobby Lashley. Lashley is in the ring. Miz no-shows. Everybody's wondering what the hell's going on. Miz is shown backstage. He's holding onto his stomach. Says he's, he's got cramps. cramps. <laughs> there's there's, there's <laughs> just, a, just whole a whole number. number. Okay, I'm, okay getting I'm getting a, getting lot, a lot of, of echo, of on, echo your on your end.
1: end. Oh, but hold on. Let me switch my mics first.
0: Yeah, I was say, I no. can hear myself pretty damn clearly right there. All right. Anyway, so like I said, Miz is backstage holding on to his stomach, says he's not feeling good, he's cramping up, this, that, or the other, obviously trying to get out of the match because, let's face it, he's a little chicken shit piece of nonsense. Uh, Lashley then goes to the back enraged, gets in Miz's face, just basically grabs him by the throat, pushes him up against the equipment case and says, you better give me my title match or else I'm going to come back here and beat your ass, which, let's face it, that's probably what he's planning to do in the ring anyway, so damned if you do, damned if you don't. Adam Pierce then gets down and looks at The Miz and says, listen, regardless of how you're feeling, you are got a WWE title match tonight. It's going to be at 10 o'clock now, so you got one more hour to try to feel better. Good freaking luck. So, uh, thoughts on that quick segment, Orion?
1: Well, it's clearly showing that, once again, Miz's character, he's going through desperation. Uh, that's, that, I mean, look, I don't like the idea of them trying to push this over and over because, let's say, in the predictable world, it would have been clear that Lashley would have gotten himself screwed, but the fact was that the I like the I love the frustration, and anger you see we see on Lashley's face when it cuts to Miz in the back. He's trying to put on that Oscar worthy performance of, oh my stomach hurts, and then Lashley just goes, no, you're not doing this. You're gonna own your you know own you know own up to what you you know own the make make good on your promise, own up to the deal, or he's literally gonna put him in the hospital. <laughs> yep.
0: Pretty much. It it seems interesting now that they finally, after however long it's been since he's been back, they finally figured out how to book Lashley as a just strong, dominant badass.
1: Yeah, I'm surprised they did not think of that before. Wait a minute. When was the first, when when was the last time they actually booked Lashley that way? Oh,
0: yeah. In Impact. When they had him on ECW, and even then that wasn't even a good book. Exactly. Even then, Impact was probably the only place where they really got over with this kind of thing. Ironically enough, when he was teaming up with MVP. Yeah,
1: that's the most ironic one. Yeah, when Impact gave him like literally all the belts.
0: <laughs> yep. Like literally, what is the hurt business if not the beatdown clan 2.0? Hmm. Anyway, so next on we move to a Braun Strowman in-ring promo. He is absolutely livid. He says that, you know, it's clear that Shane McMahon and Adam Pierce are holding him back. They've got some kind of vendetta against him because obviously he attacked Adam Pierce in order to get suspended not long ago. Then he wasn't included in the Elimination Chamber because he's a former Universal Champion, not a WWE Champion. So, potato-potato. Obviously, he's not happy. So, eventually, Adam Pearce and Shane do come out there. Shane's like, look, I don't know what this whole thing is. I don't really have a grudge against you, but here's the thing. You need to kind of calm down. So, if you ask me, you need to team up with a member of management in order to take on the Hurt Business for the tag team titles tonight. And, of course, Shane elects Adam Pearce.
2: I know last year's return of Edge was really cool, but I can't believe that the one that impacted the most the company was MVP coming back. He's done so much. Like, the Hurt Lucker is, like, really good stable. I like it.
0: Yeah, no, the Hurt Business is a great stable. And, yeah, it is. Here's the thing. And, yeah, Edge's return did impact the company a lot last year, not near as much as MVP's. But I feel like Edge's return would have impacted the company way more if he hadn't had that unfortunate tricep injury against Randy in the greatest, you know, wrestling match of all time match at Backlash, if that hadn't happened, who knows where he'd be sitting right now? But yeah, it's cool to think of how MVP and you know the Hurt Business and everything like that has really been a strong force on Raw. It's actually been one of the better parts of it over the last year, I'd say.
1: I definitely agree that as too. I, I definitely agree. Uh, it's surprising how the the Hurt Business, which was meant to be a heel faction, turned out to do much more good for the company than i don't know half of the faces that they were trying to push and book yeah
0: yeah it's absolutely true well let's face it heels are booked to be a lot more interesting half the time because the way wwe books their baby faces they're stupid and bland and boring and gullible
2: yeah
1: that's that's one thing i keep that's one thing i keep wishing to change change how you book your baby faces just because they're the oh we're the good guys we, we honor our words, you know. It doesn't mean that they're they're boring and uninteresting. Yep. But there is something more to them. It's just, you know, Vince is thinking of the old classic, like, Robin Hood style. You know, like... They just yeah, the old Errol Death Flynn Death.
0: style of hero and this and that. And I'm like, I'm sorry, that just doesn't work, you old-ass piece of shit. I mean, look at how <laughs> John Moxley's been booked over the last year-plus in AEW. He's been a babyface with an edge. He's... Yeah, you know,
1: he, the, the way he's booked makes you question whether if he's a babyface or a tweener. but no, he's clearly a babyface. Right. He just a,
0: in doesn't my take anybody's shit. Yeah. All right, anyway, so again, yes, uh, so it looks like Adam Pearce will be teaming up with Braun Strowman to take on the Hurt Business here tonight for the Raw Tag Team Championships. That match is up next. Uh, Braun obviously is doing Braun things. He's just laying everybody out, just absolutely bombarding Cedric and Shelton, tossing them around. He's right, got he's a power, s- nope, not even getting anywhere close to tagging in Pierce. It's like, gee, where have we seen this before? Oh, yeah, WrestleMania with Nicholas a number of years ago. Blech. But eventually, Shane does get up on the apron and tell Strowman to tag in Adam Pierce, give him an opportunity. Uh, Strowman does so, but he doesn't look happy about it. Pierce goes for the cover, but is eventually reversed into a pinning combination, and the Hurt Business retain the tag team titles. And, of course, Strowman is still ripper and pissed. I don't, I was not, I didn't like
1: that, honestly. No. Look, it's obvious, it just feels to me with Shane back on Raw and the fact that the one superstar he's having, the one wrestler he's having more FaceTime with is Braun Strowman really is screaming out to me, I guess my better judgment, that
0: they're trying to book Shane versus Strowman at WrestleMania. <laughs> uh, Gee, whatever gave you that idea. Yeah, thanks, Captain Obvious. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm being facetious, you know that I am. But yeah, they are like telegraphing this. So freaking hard, I swear to God, even Helen Keller can hear it right now. Oh, God, I should yeah. have said that. I'm sorry. I am so <laughs> sorry, folks. I get way too out of pocket sometimes. That was not right. I, I'm going to pull a layer of the cable guy here. Lord, I apologize for that. Darren B. with the Starving Pygmies down there in the Guinea. Amen. Anyway, but yeah, no, like seriously. Is
1: do the same taking Take a knee with your arm right next to your forehead as if you're
0: about to pray but seriously <laughs> like it's it's the old standby Stevie Wonder could see this coming Ray Charles could see this coming it's it's that obvious and I'm just yeah. I'm so sick of it Ugh. Yeah,
2: I, I don't want to clown on Shane too bad or anything but last week he had like this weird brown hair or something and then this week it was back to his normal salt and pepper look uh, and that was a little weird but yeah this build is like telegraphing miles away
0: yeah, yeah. It looks like uh, Shane McMahon changed up his just for men from last week to this week, but oh well. Yep. <laughs> Any case, he's, almost starting to, he's starting to act like Vince
1: to where he doesn't even want to show that he's getting older.
0: Cool. it's it's unbelievably ridiculous. All right, uh, we then see Elias and Jackson Riker backstage. Elias is coming up to Bad Bunny, wanting to collaborate with him, wanting to you know take his career to the stratosphere. We hear Bad Bunny say something in Spanish to which Damian Priest looks right at Elias and just says, yeah, that's a no. And then we go to that match next. Elias up against Damian Priest. I mean, it's a it's a more competitive match than I was expecting to see between Elias and Damian Priest. I mean, a nice yeah. little hot shot from Elias on Priest over the top rope in order to take control. But we, we know where this is going. It's Damian Priest, and he's, you know, fresh face on Raw. We know exactly where this is going to go. Priest fights back, connects with the Hit the Lights in order to get the win. Yeah, they changed the name from the Reckoning to the Hit the Lights. Uh, Oh, my God. Yeah. Uh, It's it's just so unbelievably annoying what they do to these finishers and these names. And if it's it's not shortening someone's name from two names to one, it's changing the name of their finisher where it makes absolutely no sense and there's absolutely zero threat behind it anymore. And it's just like, bleh.
1: Also, it just doesn't work with cam- commentary because the moment I heard "hit the lights," I'm like, "Wait, is there someone's music about to hit?" But I'm like, "Oh no, that's the that's the finisher." There's no way they can make that sound natural. I'm not gonna say cool because no offense, it's lame. to it- it start with.
0: Yeah, I mean, it most not o- come off natural. It's, the only the only, the only logical way. way the only logical way I would have as a commentator to transition, a commentator, there we go, to transition into that finish for the pinfall or anything like that is like, up. Oh, looks like Damian Priest has got him up. Yep, this night's about over. Hit the lights. That's it. Yeah. and that's that's about the only natural way to do it. But then you do that enough, it gets repetitive. It gets annoying, and it gets. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I'm...
1: Yeah, uh, I don't want to keep imagining that. But, yeah, the way that you were seeing it, that looks much better. Like, as long as there's, like, a, a moment to where they can pause and hit that dead time to where it looks like Damien
0: Priest is calling for it.
1: All right, he's got him up. Hit the lights. In one, yeah. two,
0: three. Yeah. Yeah. I know. It's like, uh, well, looks like we're about ready to go home here. Hit the lights. Great. Say goodnight, Gracie. Goodnight, Gracie. Yeah. Just like, something stupid like, a like that. But it's weird <laughs> Yeah. Uh, it sounds like some of a bad sitcom or a bad vaudeville show. It's ridiculous. You're not wrong, honestly. <laughs> All right. In any case, uh, then we go to a backstage interview with Randy Orton. Uh, we uh, get brought up that he was spitting up black goo last week. looked like he swallowed a squid. Uh, I says thought he was that... going
1: spit out blood.
0: So no, it was, it was a sticky black gunk. Uh, yeah. But eventually Orton says that, you know, Alexa Bliss needs to move on. You know, she hopes to avoid ending up in the same way as The Fiend. Uh, then we get Alexa on the TV monitor playing with a nice little jack-in-the-box with a pentagram on it. All of a sudden, a I guess what's supposed to be a Randy Orton clone shows up. His voice is modulated deeper. His eyes are a different color. He's got the hood up and this and that. And he says yeah. that, you know, the real Randy is going to come face-to-face with everything that he's ever done. Randy starts choking, starts spitting up more of that gunk. In order to end the segment. Um. So once again, we talk about obvious Telegram. This one's a little bit less obvious because I mean, it's obvious that they're yeah. setting up the Fiend versus Randy at Mania. That like that's clear. But, it, 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 to me, that when that happened,
1: that almost felt to me like, are they going to do another Firefly Funhouse match? Or so that's just, where my brain went. Yeah, Fiend versus Randy Orton, but they're going to have a double that looks like Randy Orton
0: to show up. You know. Yeah, but that's the problem, is we already had that with the Wyatt Swamp fight, and it did not go well. <sighs> oh, well.
1: We'll see Well, what I happens. mean, it's, it's up in the air. I'll, I'll be honest, when unless showed up on that TV, I immediately thought of the fucking Brady Bunch, you know, like those little thought bubbles that pop into people's heads, or that little, like, you know, the thought bubble that pops up, and then they have a visual of a person saying the same exact
0: thing. I got that felt very 80s TV for some reason. I don't know why. <laughs> I swear, we've been watching way too much WandaVision. Anyway, (laughs) speaking of which, if you guys want to join us for that, we will be uh, myself and Ryan will be reacting live to the season finale, series finale, if you will, of WandaVision tomorrow on my YouTube channel, Shimonator Productions. That's S-H-I-M-O-N-A-T-O, I believe E-R, Productions. And we will be live on that at 5 o'clock a.m. Eastern Time. In any case, let's go ahead and move on. So we get the WWE Championship match part due over uh, The Miz versus Bobby Lashley. Uh, as soon as the bell rings, Miz bails, grabs the title, runs out for the count-out loss. Obviously, Lashley and MVP are livid. The backstage with Shane McMahon, just like Shane's like, look, this is ridiculous. I can't believe The Miz just did that. The, this is absolutely not the way I saw any of this going down. MVP with a very audible and non-censored, this is bullshit. To Shane McMahon, I was surprised to tell it that. I just thought for sure that they would have edited or censored that or whatever. But then eventually Shane says, look, okay, here's the deal. There will be a WWE title match tonight. The Miz will defend against Bobby Lashley. If he doesn't, we might have to consider stripping him of the title and giving it to Lashley. And Lashley just says, you know what? You better be. You better think hard about that. But truthfully, I'd rather have the match. That way I can beat the piss out of him. And then they walk yeah. away again. Again, I'm surprised that didn't get bleeped.
1: Well, of course it was live, so of course not. But even then, I'm like,
0: wow. Even they're, they're the really thing is, even though it's, yeah, even though Raw is live, any live yeah, production, production is, yeah, it, there's usually a, some sort of a second delay so the censors can catch that. But I guess they just decided not to this time around. I
1: guess they were trying to be edgy. They, they really want to go for those
0: ratings. <laughs> I guess so. I mean, I guess AEW gets away with it every once in a while, but even then, the sensors try to get in on it on TNT, and even they slip up because nobody can keep up or even knows when to hit the button most of the time. Yeah, but uh, look, outside of that, look, there's not much to say here. It's like no,
1: it's yeah, really not much to say. Miz, he, you know, once again, cowardly way to leave. Get it once again, setting up some more stakes. The way that Shane react like, though, I'm like, that was so fucking nonchalant. But then I'm like, oh, he's not going to react like Vince where he's going to come out, throw his fucking jacket to the ground and slide in the ring and then bust his quads. No, he's just going to be like, <laughs> yeah, we're going to find a <laughs> way to do this.
0: Nice. <laughs> yeah, it's odd when you but... actually use the term level-headed to describe a McMahon. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, at least with the character of a McMahon outside, yeah. who knows? <laughs> Yeah, that's very, very true. Alright, well, next up we had Charlotte uh, Charlotte Flair up on the docket against Shayna Baszler. Uh, there was a pre-match promo. Charlotte says she wants to face Asuka at WrestleMania, but unfortunately Asuka's currently injured because she had her teeth kicked out by Shayna Baszler last week, and that was a giant youch. Uh, eventually, uh, Nia and Shayna tell Charlotte uh, that she needs to go to the back of the line because, let's face it, nobody likes her. Nobody wants her around. There's a nice little back and forth here. We get a Beat down on Charlotte before the bell rings. Shayna doing her best to keep uh, Charlotte on the ground, just try to absolutely dismantle her. But eventually, Charlotte is able to fight back and hit the natural selection in order to get the win. So Nia was successful on this night. Shayna was not. So we'll see how that ultimately determines. How they function as a team going forward. If at all. Because let's face it. Nobody gives a damn about them half the time anyway. Who's going to care whether they're fighting with each other or not.
1: Yeah. What's happening with Shayna. is kind of one of the same reasons why. Like you. I'm so fucking worried about what Ben's going to do with uh, Rhea. Yeah. He is. I mean look. with I'm not happy that it's clear. They're setting up once again. Charlotte and Asuka. And Charlotte's going to be at Wrestlemania. Oh, I'm hearing some echoing.
0: Or... Hello? Yeah, I'm still here. Okay.
1: Uh, no, I, as I was saying, I'm not happy with the fact that Charlotte is just going to be thrust into a main event. T- it's go- going to be – I don't know what's going to happen. Maybe Charlotte will challenge Oscar for the Raw Championship. Maybe she won't. But even then, I don't like the fact that all of a sudden it's like, okay, yeah, Lacey's not going to be on the shelf. Not Lacey's not going to be in the main – like, in a feud because she's pregnant. Well, guess what? There's still other women on that roster, and there's still can be something for Charlotte to do. She, personally, to me, I don't think she needs to be at WrestleMania to face a champion at WrestleMania. Give that to Shayna or hell, Since there's not going to be any crowds at WrestleMania, this is going to be a Thunderdome match. Grab one of the women in your roster and start building them up. I mean... Didn't we just talk about last year that Vince was high on Peyton Royce for a singles run? That's the reason why he broke up the Iconics. She's there. She was, they, they threw her into a tag team with Lacey. That's who I can see. You can start pushing for it right now. In the short, give her a short push for the Raw Championship. See how she measures against Asuka. If they like her, great. Keep her around in contention. If not, then do whatever the hell you want.
0: But building a new star takes too long. And then, you know, the audiences just don't have the attention span for that anymore. That's at least Vince's mindset. I guarantee you that. That's every little bit of excuse that they're going to give for why they don't push somebody new. Because that's going to take too long, damn it.
1: Oh, he's, he's thinking
0: too much on entertainment and not thinking more on the athletic side. <laughs> Even so, like, entertain the right entertainer knows that you can build... a a good storyline in a short amount of time. Look what they've been doing with WandaVision. Yeah. Just over eight weeks, nine weeks, they have built a very compelling story, and it's been good. Stretch it out a little bit further until Mania, and you can be in a great, great position. But again, they don't want to put the patience into it because they don't think we have the patience for it, which is BS because, let's face it, we had enough patience to try to wait for a Game of Thrones season finale that was satisfying. Or a series yeah. finale that was satisfying, should we say? But yeah, in any case,
1: he grossly, case. He, grossly oh, he grossly underestimates and overestimates the audience. Yeah, people were willing. We were willing to wait over two years for a good season, Game of Thrones series finale. People were even willing to wait even longer for the conclusion to Avengers for yep. you know for the Part Two Avengers Infinity War, and then of course now with the Snyder cut kind of coming out, people were fans were even willing fans waited three four five years no wait
0: 2017,
1: 2017. Was like, yeah so four years four years four years for the snyder type so if vince really does not believe fans have no patience he is so so fucking wrong and yeah no, i mean he,
0: just he, let's not even go with go any ahead. one movie let's look at the entire mcu as a storyline that's t- 10 years worth of a story and we had the patience to sit and wait out all of it granted were there small self-contained stories within it yes but it was all one long-form storytelling that had a great build a great climax and a great crescendo yeah anyhow let's move forward we are next up to a six-man tag match the new united states champion riddle along with the lucha house party going up against retribution um, you know, if, if that right off the bat, we get a choke slam backbreaker by T-Bar onto Riddle for a two-count. Slapjack and Mace are tagging in quick. Retribution is just absolutely doing everything they can, but eventually Riddle fights back, is able to tag in Dorado, uh, and then take out Mace on his way out. Dorado and Metalik hit a nice little double-team elbow drop kind of combo for the finish where Metalik is just standing on top of Dorado's shoulders. <laughs> Hits a nice elbow drop for the pin, and, of course, Mustafa Ali is... Pissed because his subordinates have lost yet again. And in his fury, he challenges Riddle to an impromptu match. So we'll go into that match next. We'll just tie these both together. Nine title match, Riddle versus Ali. Riddle is working over, uh, I'm sorry, Riddle's arm is being worked over by Ali. There we go. Throughout the entire match. Uh, He does start to come back, does Riddle, but eventually Mace does provide enough of a distraction for Ali to get the win. So now you're going to imagine he's going to be putting a program for, uh, with riddle for the u.s title either fast lane or more than likely hopefully more long-term down the line at wrestlemania
1: yeah wrestlemania feels like the better option although i will not be surprised next week on raw i hear it's been set for Fastlane, but even then it is the better option and, um it seems i don't know what this whole I, look riddle lucha house party they look, they, they they do work well in the ring together, one thing's for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, Retribution, it's it's obviously, this is a dead horse that Vince is still trying to trot out. Um, Mace, oh God, I don't know what it is about Mace. I mean, Dio Madden, but I'm just not buying him. I'm not buying his character. I'm not buying whatever character they're selling me. It's just, I don't know. Something off- I don't know if it's some off about him, or it's the fact that because of Dijakovic being this T bar, the fact that he's really one hundred percent into this whole character, good or bad, and Mace is just there as the silent per as the silent one. Just <sighs> nothing to make out of this, honestly. Character wise, I mean, the match, yeah, obviously he still looks very slow, even for a bit. I mean, I have seen in the in- I have seen some independent or at least some. Uh, stuff of Dio, like, really moving well, but it's clear here on the main roster, he's, it's almost as if he's meant to look like a carbon copy of Dijakovic's T-bar. Just high-impact moves, long strikes, I mean, it's to the point to where, if Mace, I could easily replace Dio with somebody else, and it would still be the same retribution,
0: honestly. (laughs) Yeah, they're just these generic bad guys that have just been absolutely ineffectual, and it's, it's getting ridiculous by now. All right. Well, let's go ahead and cap off this crap burger. Miz confronts Shane McMahon backstage, not happy about having to defend his title later on tonight. He goes, listen, I am a champion that you can be proud of. I'm the one who does all the media. I'm the one who does everything that you need. I am the loyal soldier here. I am the one who is marketable. He asks Miz or Miz asks Shane, what kind of champion is Bobby Lashley really going to be for this company? And Shane just looks at him and says, well, Maybe we're about to find out. And this this is the thing that got me with this whole segment is is Shane heel or is Shane face? Because he's acting like a heel with Strowman earlier, but he's acting like a babyface with the Miz. Like pick a lane, bitch. <laughs> it's been, it's literally
1: Stephanie and Triple H during the time of the authority. They're being the bad guys, but then every opening segment, they're trying to be the good guys to play gate to the fans. Like we're doing this. For you. And then you see them with wrestlers like Daniel Bryan, or at the time, Dolph Ziggler with John Cena, Punk, CM Punk, or even one, um, Big Show, them being complete and despicable heels. That's why it didn't shock me with Shane's attitude here, because even when he came back like to do Raw Underground, you're seeing him do the same thing. He's being courteous to a few wrestlers, but then he's treating other wrestlers like they're garbage, wanting them to get their asses kicked. But it's just, like, it didn't surprise me. At, but also, it felt like it was needed at The Miz. Now, The Miz, of course, is going like, yeah, I'm your loyal soldier. I can do this. I'm a champion you're proud of. I'm surprised Shane's response could have been, what you just did tonight proved to me that you're not someone you I can be proud of as champion. Like, that could have been a great comeback. But none, but fantasy aside, it felt to me like the writing is pretty much telling us that Miz will not be a champion worth – you know, making the face of, like being the face of the company. That's all. That was all I was showing me.
0: Yep. But last but certainly not least, we have the WWE championship match. Take three, or as I call the triple whammy, uh, courtesy Mm. of the Jericho cruise, which we will be on this, uh, this coming October, which we're very much looking forward to. We got the Miz versus Bobby Lashley. Shane comes out because he senses that Miz is trying to take another little, you know, high tail and run. Tells Miz that he's got a nice little solution, a nice little stipulation to add to the match. And that is going to be, it's a lumberjack match. So he sends a bunch of folks out there so that they can't run away. Uh, Miz tries to get himself DQ'd by smacking Lashley with the title. That doesn't work. Tries to run and get the lumberjacks to help him out. That doesn't work. Eventually, he gets thrown back into the ring. Lashley is just throwing him around hither and yon, as I mentioned before. He locks in the Hurt Lock. Miz taps out your winner and new WWE champion for the first time in his career, Bobby Lashley. Um, You know, I mean, it's about damn time. Let's face it. You want to talk about guys who you figure would have been top guy multiple times by now. Especially with how much we know Vince likes to push big guys. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. And
1: also during, I mean, even when Lashley's early career in the WWE during the mid-2000s, I mean, sure, Vince was even trying hard to push Lashley by even putting himself and Shane against him at the time when he was trying to make Lashley the face of the ECW brand. And while, yeah, looking back at it, Vince really having a hand in booking ECW was its downfall. But even then, the fact with Lashley himself believing that Oh, he sees so much in Lashley. He's willing to put him as the face of the ECW brand, and then putting him on Raw, and then having him have these great, having these big matches against John Cena, when who John Cena was almost about to get into the height, like into the like into his run as Super Cena. You started to see that there could have been something with Lashley, but then it became obvious Lashley was not happy with the damn company, and then of course his run Impact, the things he was trying to do in MMA. Lashley found his passion in what he was able to do good with. While he's not the greatest on the mic, it was clear that you put him in the ring, you give him wrestlers he has great chemistry with, he will give you top dollar fight every single time. And then having him paired with MVP was a great business decision on both impact and on Raw. Because you have MVP building Lashley, and then all Lashley has to do is walk in, put someone in a foot the hurt lock, or snap someone's hand and leave. And with, especially with this, what we saw with The Miz, yeah. Once again, Miz plays the role of chicken shit heel to someone you literally want to see get punched in the face to perfection. So when Lashley does put on that hurt lock, and then even after he wins, he puts it on again on The Miz. It's like, this is what The Miz gets for thinking he is smarter and better than everybody. He ends up getting hurt. And one thing's for sure, he's, gonna, he's not going to try to pull that shit again on Lashley. Even if you
3: think if I'm not mistaken, wasn't Lashley the world heavyweight champion like SmackDown or some shit back in the 2000s? I may be mistaken because I might be thinking of when I played like Raw versus SmackDown or some shit, but just thought, you know, whatever.
0: Yeah, no, so Travis. Working. Yeah, no, you were thinking he was the ECW championship uh, champion back in the day. He won it from the big show in the Extreme Elimination Chamber, but no, he was never... He was the
1: U.S. champion on SmackDown, I believe. Yeah, that yeah.
0: that was... Yeah, he did hold the United States title on SmackDown, but no, he was never the top champion. No.
1: But to finish what I said, yeah, seeing Lashley win that championship was a great moment. Lashley's now the third uh, African-American, or I should say black man, to hold the WWE Championship with its lineage it has in the
0: company. Mm-hmm. yep so well I'm gonna say second ever now with uh, regards well I know we're going with the rock yeah. and all that but yeah even Th- then, well, in WD- that case is- third because you got the rock Kofi and now Lashley I am of
1: the I am of your opinion that he is the second because he's because he's a full he's a full blood black man right. of course the rock when he wanted they were saying he's black but now they rewrite it to tie it into his Samoan uh, lineage so WWE really put themselves into a corner on
0: that one yeah, it absolutely they absolutely did, but in any case, all right. Well, that's everything raw. Well, what about everything that left an impact, Ryan? What went down on this week's episode of Impact Wrestling? All right. Um, well, with Impact, it's about they they have one week
1: till their pay per view, uh, a sacrifice. So mm-hmm. they mainly did. So throughout the most of the show. There were slices of a pa- of, of a package setting up the match between Moose and Rich Swan. They did a quick recap from last week's Impact of Scott Demore officially making the TN- TNA Championship a valid title, just so Moose can defend it against Jake Something, A K A the formerly named Cousin Jake. Um, that was mainly just though. That was the opening package, and of course, with the show, it kicks off with the with an X division triple threat match to determine the number one contender against TJP for the X division title. And of course the triple threat matches between the winners of the six man uh tag match from last from a couple from a weeks ago. Black Taurus of Decay, Chris Bay, and Ace Austin, the uh X the, the winner of the uh oh my god, the Super Cup that uh, that impact was doing. Yeah, the now, super X, X match. Cup. Super X Cup. Yeah. I was gonna call the X Cup, but I'm like that that feels too uh that feels too d- dirty like maybe G ray or so, <laughs> but as I was saying, this match really really good. I I really thought this match was just going to be put. I thought the match was mainly going to be bit booked as if it was going to be Chris Bay and Ace Austin constantly having to fight off Black Tauros, which was for the opening minutes. But later on in the match, you start seeing when black when Black Taurus was knocked on the outside, you see. Both Chris Bay and Ace Austin show you exactly what they're capable of by doing uh, rolls, flips on each other, having to try to do a, a quick combinations of, of pins. Because before, because the moment Black Taurus shows up, he immediately changed the dynamic from what went from an, a simple, uh, like X Division Cruiserweight style match into a more technical and methodical X Division match. Of course, with Black Taurus using his strength, having to throw around Chris Bay always stopping Ace Austin's momentum throughout the match. Even one point to where Ace Austin was trying to hit his signature finisher, the fold onto Chris Bay, Black Tauros, as the wild card, just shoves Ace Austin out as if he's almost going to launch him out of the ring. So, clearly, throughout the entire match, Black Tauros was the constant wild card that would prevent either Bay or Austin from getting the win. But, of course, later on, of course, near the closing end of the match, Black Taurus was about to set up to do uh pr- he was getting ready to uh take out Chris Bay, but Madman Fulton who came who was accompanying Ace Austin got himself involved to where he pulled the ropes to get Ace to, to sling Black Taurus out of the ring and onto the floor, which frees up Ace Austin plenty of time to hit his to hit the fold for the one, two, three, winning the match and earning the number one contendership match against TJ, becoming the number one contender against TJP at Sacrifice. Now, uh, James, just coming, going through some of your takeaways from that uh, triple threat match.
0: Well, I mean, let's face it. The, the big guy, the big thing that I have always taken away from the Impact as of late is Black Taurus. I mean, it's a it's a gimmick that shouldn't work, but for whatever reason, I dig it. I re- like I like having him as the the third member of Decay since we can't obviously have Abyss in there. I think it's a he's a great kind. I don't want to say a a placeholder or anything. I'm more like a a, a substitute, if you will, or at least a, yeah. a good a good alternative for hey, the wait, time that we've got. Yeah,
1: not like an improvement, but kind of like a, a, a fresh addition. Yeah, Some, something different.
0: Yeah, and again, yeah, you're right. It's something different because. Again, you wouldn't expect somebody to wear a mask that size that obviously is going to make it hard to breathe and everything else as he is in a match doing the kind of stuff that he does. But, yeah, I mean, hot damn if, it's, if he's not impressive. And then, of course, you can go into, like, I mean, let's face it. We knew when we saw Ace Austin back there interrupting TJP and Scott Demore a couple of weeks ago. We knew that this was where they were going. Not, again, not to say that it was the wrong decision, I mean, Ace Austin's great and he's, you know, like you mentioned him and Chris Bay put on a absolute X division clinic in that match. But yeah, I mean, it was pretty clear that that's what they were setting up. So that should be an interesting match at sacrifice. Um, obviously we know TJP has got a stellar, stellar move set that'll complement Ace Austin well and vice versa. So I'm looking forward to
2: it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I really can't wait to watch that match at sacrifice. Um, but then after that match was over, there's a quick backstage, sets, uh, backstage set skit. We see Matt Cardona, uh, you know, just pretty much in a referee shirt, getting himself, doing a quick workout. And who catches him but Brian Myers. And Brian Myers is trying to, you know, once again, play up the fit. He's trying to play the friend card with Cardona. Pretty much just going, you know, bringing up their podcast that they do together, talking about, hey, man. I, I'm excited that you're here. I was on. I, I didn't like the fact that we were trying. to... I don't like this idea that we're trying to be pitted against each other. And, you know, he's trying to hold. He's still trying to play this angle toward you're my friend, but Cardona clearly sees what he's trying to do, and he's like, dude, I didn't want to be in the middle between your war with Eddie Edwards. All I'm just going to do is in this ref shirt, I'm going to call everything down the middle, and that's all. And and he gave him his word on that, and he says, well, can you do things a little off the middle and kind of like. But but it's more Brian Myers really trying to be like, Look, yeah, we're buddies and you didn't want beer, but can you still show some favoritism towards me? But then I love the Gardona's response. He's like, Yeah, off the middle man, I don't know. That just doesn't seem real professional. And then Brian Myers leaves. <laughs> yeah, that was a good line.
0: At, yeah, dig
1: at his character, the professional
0: wrestler. <laughs> yeah, not just the professional, the most professional. Professional. So yeah, I'm gonna say that was a that was a nice shot taken there. I I really enjoyed that. Yeah, it
1: well, was just a quick skit, and it, and it got out what it said it needed to, do,
0: which was a great transition for
1: our knockouts match. Was was between Taneele Dashwood and just and Havoc. Not uh, I was gonna say Jessica Havoc, but she's mainly just going by Havoc in Impact. And it was pretty much just it was just a simple uh, knockouts match. Now the announcers DLo and Matt Striker, were bringing up the a slight fallout that's happening between Havoc and Neva after their missed shot at. At the Knockouts Tag Championships, and of course, what of course it's clear that Nevaeh is not accompanying Havoc to the ring, but Caleb, with a K, who is sporting a neck brace, his support is of course accompanying Taneil. Now, during the match, it's one. It was mainly Jessica. It was Havoc's show. She's always she's constantly stopping any momentum from Taneil Dashwood. Taneele's trying to do taste of Taneele. Havoc stops her, or Taneele wants to do a cross body. Havoc catches her. Of course, Caleb. Who's now becoming more of a nuisance at, at ringside? He's able to at least bring in some net needed uh, distractions in order for Tennille to get a lead, to, you know, for Tenille to do mid shots on um, Jessica Havoc, hit some quick snap mares or try to do some quick roll ups for a two, for a three count, but of course, unsuccessful. But then finally, towards the end of the match, Havoc, who I think at this point is starting to like, not reach her limit, but, you know, re- reaching the end of her patience, wants to end things. Caleb gets involved, distracts Havoc long enough, so when Havoc wants to go for a running leg drop, she misses. Tennille, waiting for Havoc to get up, hits the ropes two times in order to get enough momentum to hit spotlight in order to get the victory. Now, I don't know how long Matt Stryker is from aware of Tenille's, uh Before I continue, before I finish up, one takeaway I did get from this was Matt Stryker. For for some reason, he's unfamiliar the fact that her finisher is called the Spotlight. I'm like, Matt, you have been a commentator for a while. You probably watched Impact. You probably watched Ring of Honor. Tenille's had that move called the Spotlight since she showed up on the Since she showed up in Ring of Honor. Come on, man. For a teach for a former teacher, you've really been slacking off on your homework.
0: <laughs> but yeah, I mean, let's face it, Stryker. He, he's not exactly up on his research some of the time. But, I mean, I mean, regardless, the match itself was still a very solid knockouts match. I mean, Tenille, we know, has been a great worker for the longest time. And, honestly, I wish that whole like, exchange thing between Impact and uh, AEW would kick up a little bit more. Because I'd love to see what she could do against people like Thunder Rosa, people like yeah. Karushita. You know, people like Riho, like Emmy Sakura, all of those kind of individuals. I think she would be great against. Not to mention, you know, Lee, uh, Anna Jay when she's healthy, Taikanti, Yeah, um, Layla Hirsch. I think she could have classics with all of those. Yeah, I'm maybe, maybe, hopefully, after Revolution, we'll start seeing more
1: of that bleed through. But even now, even if not, I still like the fact that it's just going to be in small doses. I did also have like yeah. to mention that after the match. Uh, Caleb with the K, of course, brings his phone up. You know, he's trying. He's getting in havoc's face. You know, trying not rubbing salt in the wound. But then, of course, Nevaeh shows up. Pretty much, you know, not saving havoc, but just getting rid of Caleb with the K. And then to Neil, she immediately just boots. She leaves the ring, only coming back to get her phone to make sure if the shots that she got was good enough to post on her social media. But mainly with Navea coming out, it was just a little need to where things are not like completely patched up between the two of them but it's mostly to where nevaeh is not willing to be like yeah don't pick on her we have our issues but don't
0: yeah she's not yours to pick on yeah well i mean honestly it'll be it'll be an interesting situation um but yeah i mean i don't know like when it comes down to certain things on impact there's just some things that I enjoy, some things that I don't. And Caleb with a K, let's 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 face it, I, I don't mind him very much, but he just gets on my nerves a lot. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, I mean, Tennille's great. I'm, I'm curious to see where this whole storyline between Havoc and VA leads to. Is it going to lead to a feud between the two? Is it going to lead to them getting back together and making another run of the Knockouts t- titles? I don't know. But we'll see what happens.
1: Yeah personally i don't yeah. want a break to happen because the title they just brought back the knockout tag titles and so yeah. we do need at least a couple of teams if the, if there's going to be a slight feud between the two of them they can play it off as if they these two need to get steam off they need to air their grievances so they can do like a best of 7 or a best of 5 series between the two
0: yeah that would be that would be interesting but anyway, any, anything's possible so um but you know moving, like, yeah, like i said at least when it comes down to it there is at least something about impact every once in a while that you can you know, you can at least get behind and like I said, for me right now Black Torus, I can get behind the whole thing with Rich Swan and Moose, I can get behind Uh, even, you know, the stuff going on with Jake something and, you know, uh, Violent by Design I can get behind in a little in certain circumstances, but um, yeah, we'll see what else goes on, but yeah uh, keep going with your uh, your whole review No problem
1: Uh, pretty much following up, we have a uh, of course, an offsite sketch, uh, an offsite recording from Sammy Callahan continuing his little feud with Trey Miguel, saying he's got no, of course, picking on the fact that he believes Miguel has no passion, that he's just all like flair and no substance. So, what Sammy Callahan's next move, he decides to go to the wrestling school that Trey Miguel trains and uh, that he trains at and also trains students at. Uh, I forget the name, I didn't write it down in my notes, but. It's just more of Sammy Callahan goes there and he's just getting all in the students' faces, pretty much t- trying to get them riled up about Trey Miguel. He's throwing shots, saying, like, how can this place be any good if Trey Miguel showing no passion? But some of the students or some of the teachers there are coming to Sammy. He's like, hey, we know what you're trying to do. You're trying to down-talk Trey Miguel. You're trying to get us to turn our backs against him. Well, that's just not going to happen here. If you don't like what's happening, you can just go. Some of them want to just cause a fight with Sammy. And the Sammy's going – you know, he does the whole, he he slightly backs off. He's like, yeah, I didn't come here for a fight. You know, I'll do something like this. But then, of course, as the, as the heel asshole he is, he starts throwing cheap shots at almost everybody there except one other guy. And I'm kicking myself that I didn't write his name down as well. But he just, t- this guy, he, this, this one student Uh, comes face-to-face with Sammy who's about to fight with Sammy. He's able to talk him down to where, like, look, you don't got... Where he he talks him down to where he's almost considering taking the student under his wing, pretty much rubbing more salt in the wound of Trey Miguel's character and his bet and his you know not just the character but also the wrestling school that he trains at. And then that's the end of the segment.
0: Yeah, yeah, it looks like they're keeping going with this whole Sammy Callahan Trey Miguel thing. And I mean, it could be interesting. I mean, we know we know for a fact Callahan loves being a dick. And yeah, that's exactly what that's he's doing it. here. And you know, obviously, Trey Miguel's got a chip on his shoulder. He's got something to prove. So he's obviously this is there's a lot of heat going here. And yeah, it could be interesting whether or not they have a straight up match, or if they try to drag it into one of Callahan's classic death matches or whatever. We'll we'll find out. But either way, it's definitely got an interesting uh, build to it, and we'll see kind of where it goes but as of right now it's just more of a you know for me especially now like with impact because i'm not as familiar with it and because i haven't kept up with it as much as i th- I know that you have to me it's it's still a lot of wait and see for me as far as like a lot of that's concerned
1: uh, yeah, I don't blame you. Uh, I'm not as familiar with Trey McGill as well. When I started getting back into Impact, but Sammy Callahan, though, he was somebody I definitely was getting familiar with. And yeah, that's mainly been his character. That's this this, this edge that he has that works well for him. Other than that short time, they ma- they try to make him a face because he couldn't keep doing the, stu- the the stuff that he likes to do as a heel. You know, hack into things, show you these uh gr- um these shady uh pro these you know these shady visual promos as if. He just broke in somewhere, like almost giving you these kind of not like not like these uh, these criminal-less background promos in a way. But moving on from that, it moves into another little backstage skit to where Ace Austin is goes to confront TJP, who's in the Swingers Lounge or the Swinger Swingers Palace. And TJP, he's just sitting in the Swingers Palace, just playing a game of then. Um, well, of course, he's playing cards, but you can't tell if it's blackjack or if he's doing poker. But he's just there sitting on a chair. There's Johnny Swinger. There's uh, Fala Ba, you know, just dealing him cards. And Ace is pretty much just telling TJP, look, if you saw me out there, you know that I'm going to be coming for you for that championship. Don't underestimate me. TJP just throwing some slight jabs at Ace. But before Ace can continue, he gets interrupted by Chris Bay. And Chris Bay... Unfortunately, takes a shot. he's telling Ace there's no way in hell he could have won if it was not for Madman Fulton. And, of course, Ace says that he doesn't need Fulton, which get, TJ interjects and goes, Huh, that's interesting. I would love to see that. You know what, maybe we should go talk to Scott later on and do something about it. And, of course, Johnny Swinger, he's all like, no one fights in my palace. No one, no one does anything unless I get in on the action. Pretty much saying that, continue with Swinger's character, with this whole Swinger's palace thing. Unless he gets, a, unless he's gonna pitch money in, you know, get a little some some a little profit out of it, there's not Swinger has no fucking interest. And at this point, I don't see Swinger is becoming more of a character, which he should be instead of a wrestler. So I think this angle I like better with Swinger. TJP, this is kind of a good way to still keep him on camera, but not have him wrestle a lot. I mean, it was kind of the same thing with with, with his rivalry with Rohit, to where after he couldn't challenge Roheat anymore. You just kept seeing him around backstage to when, you know, they've given that little mask for manic. Other than that, that's the end of the sketch before it leads into the next match of the night. Before I get to the next match, some quick thoughts.
0: Yeah. I mean, let's face it. TJP is going to keep finding whatever kind of advantages he can get. And like, it's interesting with TJP. Cause he almost comes off in a lot of ways, like a tweener. Like he's a heel when he's wrestling baby faces and he's a baby face when he's wrestling heels so it's it's kind of odd to get a to get a beat on him sometimes, but yeah, trying to see what uh what ace austin can do without having uh madman Fulton in his corner sounds like an interesting yeah. kind of attempt at you know just even in the odds, and it's like well, maybe we'll get that in the contract where he can't be a ringside during our match at uh, at sacrifice, so we'll see what happens so but yeah that's uh like i said it's it's always interesting to see what direction they decide to take some of these characters, and like I said at least. Impact is doing something interesting with those characters as opposed to, you know, the bland kind of one note characters that WWE cranks out every once in a while. Yeah, couldn't agree more.
1: But but after that, we get into our match, our our second men's match, which is the, the one on one match between Brian Myers and Eddie Edwards with Matt Cardona as the referee. And, of course, Brian Myers sporting uh, uh, an eye patch, really trying to come off as if he's, you know, like he's hurt. You know, he's handicapped in the match with Benjamin. But when it's obvious, he's not. And, of course, the commentary, they're not fooled either. The fact that Myers is trying to use whatever he can in order to come off sympathetic. But, of course, this match, as the match starts between Eddie and Brian Myers, Brian Myers is clearly trying to use whatever tactics he can to get the, uh, the one-up on Eddie. But Matt clearly sees what Brian is doing, and he's making sure that he doesn't try to do anything like, you know, put foots on ropes or grabbing tights or trying to uh, waste time on the outside. Cardona is not trying to give Matt um, – Cardona is not trying to give Brian any sense of an opening to use dirty tactics, which gives Eddie Edwards plenty of time to start taking advantages. You uh but, of course, later on in the match, after Eddie Edwards and Brian Myers collides and Matt Cardona's making the count, uh, Brian Myers plainly and blatantly in front of Cardona takes a pad out of his heel, out of his boots, puts it in one of his elbow pads to do a clothesline, and, of course, it plays into the fact that he has an eye patch over his left eye. Can't even tell that Matt Cardona clearly sees what he's doing so when he does that clothesline, Matt Cardona immediately calls for the bell, ending the match in a disqualification. Brian Myers clearly is stunned, going like, Why did you do that? Just do your job. Hit the three count, the one, two, three. Matt's like, Are you kidding me? I saw you. You did you know <laughs> pretty much going like that? I'm not letting that fly. And while he goes so back to 10 on Eddie, you see Brian Myers really stare at Cardona. As if he's going to attack him, but he does not. He ends up leaving the ring, walking up the ramp, and Matt Cardona just raises Eddie's hand, you know, because since he's the victor by DQ, and that ties up that ties up with that match. It's clear they're setting up. It's clear they're going to set up either Myers versus Cardona at sacrifice, or at their next upcoming pay per view, which
0: is Rebellion. Yeah. So, but I mean, it's it's definitely going to be fun because. Like, obviously we know the history between Cardona and Myers. We know that there's a lot to play with there with their time as, you know, the edge heads to, you know, obviously, you know, you they could bring up Cardona's z Long Island story. They can bring up, you know, whatever Myers was up to for the longest time. So it's a giant it, – it, it can be a lot of fun. So we'll, we'll see what happens there. But, yeah, just the fact that obviously he's got an eye patch over the left eye. He goes to load up his elbow pad. And can't recognize that freaking Cardona is off to the side here. Can't even just, like, get a little spidey sense that he might be there watching what he's about to do. And getting so annoyed that he's, you know, basically just caught red-handed. It's like, what the heck is going on? And it's just, like, (laughs) crying out loud, man. Seriously, how big of an idiot can you – yeah, how big of an idiot can you be? So – Alright, well
1: uh, that, that that's the end of that match. And then we get about two more skits afterwards before we get to another match. The first skit is with violent by design. Eric Young is pretty much well, he's not chastising Diener, but he's pretty much telling Deaner you didn't get the job done against against Jake something. And because you did not get the job done, you know what has to happen. They do a cut we just see Diener go into the go through a door and then all we hear is these groans from Diener as if he's getting beaten up. Eric Young pretty much, you know, looking off as if like he's a proud dad, as if it's like, yeah, he's going to be tougher for this. And then once the once Cody stops groaning in pain, you see we see Joe Doring come from the back giving this approving look to Eric Young as if they're going to make Deaner even even more of – not more brutal but in their way, this is their idea of tough love, and that just cuts that skit. Following that one, we have an AEW paid ad with Tavon, with both Tony Schiavone and Tony Khan. But Tony Khan is dressing up a little more, not flashy or show off or douchey, but he's coming off more and more of a character. Of course, Schiavone, talking about what's happening on pretty much, uh, hyping up the card for AW Revolution on Wednes—I mean, no AW Revolution and Dynamite on Wednesday—and then of course when we get to Tony Khan, Tony Khan is once again talking about Forbidden Door, of course, calling himself the Forbidden Door, saying now a with AW that they're making so they're doing something that hasn't been done before with New Japan and Impact, how he wants to extend the hand to both Impact and New Japan into this new wave, this new revolution going forward. And pretty much, yeah, Tony Khan once again is like doing the whole, I'm taking credit for all of this. And then towards the end of the car, towards the end of that paid ad, Tony Favani once again having to be, you know, like playing the nice guy, like back to you guys at the impact zone, you know. But that was the end of those two skits.
0: <laughs> yeah, Tony Khan playing up his his annoying rich guy persona, always fun.
3: I would love to see if friggin Cardona and Myers start tagging again. But it's like Cardona's the one trying to, t- trying to keep uh, Myers on the straight and narrow. But ends up turning himself heel while Myers goes face. They flip-flop, finally get on the same page as heels, and just destroy everybody. I mean, that could be interesting, Travis.
0: I mean, there's always different stuff that could be brought into play when it comes to the history between those two and what they're able to to accomplish and things like that. So, I mean, who knows, but one way or the other, it'll be entertaining to watch.
1: Yep. Okay. After those skits, we have an eight man tag match between the impact tag champ means the, the good brothers teaming with thin juice going up against triple XL and, um, Reno scum. I almost forgot their names for a second, (laughs) but going into this match, we have, of course, this match is mainly just uh, one usmanship between Finn Juice and the Good Brothers. Where the Good Brothers, they're still treating the Finn Juice like they're rookies, they're young boys from their time in New Japan. And then, of course, with Finn Juice going like, no, we were, we're also New Japan tag champions, just like you guys were. So it always starts off with, uh, it, it was pretty much like a one usmanship First off, uh, Juice Robinson's in the ring taking on Larry D he's able to handle his business then Carl Anderson comes in and then tries to show up is like that's how you get the job done you know doing like more more imp- high impact moves instead of strikes or drop kicks and then when we start seeing uh AC Romero get tagged in we see trade-offs where we're having Finn juice doing team move we're doing their, they're doing more of team moves in order to take down AC Romero but then all but then the big LG uh, Luke Gallus comes in, and all he has to do is throw up a, a couple of big boots and some stiff elbows to take down A.C. Romero. And then the same thing happens with Reno Scum. Once again, it trades off. But there are a few times to where the uh, Reno Scum and Triple X are able to get at least some shots in on both the, on the Good Brothers and Finn Juice. Most of the time, I think Juice takes a couple of the punishment along with Finley. And then later on the match, but then that's, that's mainly how it goes throughout the entire match. And then it finally ends to where the good brothers tag themselves in. They hit the magic killer and then they get the one, two, three, the win for the night. And while the team is, while the eight, while the all four men are victorious, we are seeing a little bit of back and forth, a little push and pull between both teams, which bleeds into a backstage skit where they're arguing, where Finn juice is arguing with Carl Anderson and Luke Gallows pretty much telling them, we would have had that match won if you guys didn't get involved. Good Brothers are going, no, we had that match won. We saved you guys from an embarrassing loss. And then all of a sudden, Finn Juice gets riled up to where they're like, you know what, if this was for the Impact Championships, you guys would probably keep giving us more respect. And then Gallo goes, is that what this is all this about? Well, then okay, we'll go to Scott tomorrow. We'll make this happen. And Good Brothers versus Finn Juice. And then as the Good Brothers walk away, Finn... And Juice Robinson looks to David Finley and goes, "We got him." And that t- and that ends that and that ends the match and that backstage skit. Pretty much, Juice had a role to play, and it was pretty much just to play head games with the Good Brothers in order to get a tag t- in order to get a tag title shot.
0: Yeah, I mean, you can kind of see this coming a mile away, but yeah, I mean, it's a classic strategy. But just because it's classic doesn't mean it doesn't work half the time. But, yeah, they, they played these guys like a country fiddle, and they just absolutely, you know, they, they played it to perfection. They got what they wanted out of it. So, uh, that match is going to be crazy. Like I said, more than likely it won't happen at Sacrifice. I'd say they probably would save it for Rebellion, but who knows.
1: Yeah, honestly, anything can happen. But Sacrifice so far has a bit of a – don't know the huge card for Sacrifice yet. They only got like a couple of matches booked down, which is the Impact Championship. Uh, I think... Um, yeah, the, the Knockouts tag titles. And, of course, uh, the X Division. But so far, just three championships have been booked for, the, for uh, sacrifice. Probably more matches will be booked down the road. But yeah, I would say that's is... more than likely. Yeah. And then after that, we have... Oh. oh, I forgot. I completely skipped this over my notes. After, uh, after Havoc and Tennille... There was an interview between with Jordan Grace. Pretty much, uh, the interviewer is trying to talk about her match against Deanna Perrazzo that's gonna happen in the main event. But she's interrupted by Kiara Hogan and Tasha Steele, Fire and Flavor. They're pretty much you know, they're they're talking about how Jordan and Jazz they're they are distracted from the real from what should be going on, which is the tag belts. Stop focusing on Deanna, Susan, and uh what What is it they call Kimberly? The, the Curator. Yes, The Curator. I forget that. But it's kind of a nice name. But all Fire and Flavor were doing, they're like, you guys shouldn't be worried about who attacked ODB. You guys should not be focusing on trying to take out Diana. You should be focusing on making sure you come to play us. Because if you don't, we're going to beat you. Jordan and Jazz, they're kind of like not taking any of this shit to where Kiara, Kira. sorry, why am I saying Kiara? Where Kira? All of a sudden, it's just like, you're not taking me seriously? I am a main eventer. I, I swear, She. it gets to where Jordan's like, you know what? I see this passion coming from you. If you feel this disrespected, this doesn't need to be a singles match between me and Deanna. It can be me, Deanna, versus you. But the way she sets it up is kind of funny because she's like, if you're feeling this disrespected, I can give you the platinum package, which is a dig to the Fire and Flavor Festival.
2: <laughs> and
1: all Jordan says is that Here's what the platinum pack is gonna be. Myself versus Deanna versus versus you, Kira, Kira in the main event. Instead of singles, it's a triple threat match.
0: <laughs> well, nay, hey, I mean, these this is the fun thing, is like obviously Jordan and Jazz and ODB are good at playing like the, the tough, no nonsense ass kickers. Whereas, you know, Susan, Deanna, and Kimber are good at playing like the mean girls, the ones that you want to just see get their comeuppance, and you know just the the ones who can go, but also have their ditzy side to them as well, especially Kimber. But I yeah, mean, it's 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 entertaining to watch, and of course you know eventually they're gonna get their They're just desserts in the end. It's just a matter of how long does it take to get there, and how annoying can they be in the process? Yeah. Uh, okay then. Then before uh, since I had
1: skipped over that. The, the actual interview that happened before the Triple Threat match was with Deanna perrazzo to where Deanna pretty much basically admitted that she and Kimber like, were the ones who attacked ODB. Pretty much saying that what happened, what pretty much they do the whole dance and, you know, the whole, di- you know, the, the whole jive. This is what happens when you cross the virtuosa. You end up flat on your back. You end up hurt. This is why myself, the curator, and Susan are going to make sure that Jordan and Je- that Jordan Grace is not going to even be focused or will-, will be 100% going into sacrifice to go up a- for the tag titles, and then it transitions into the triple threat match. Okay, this match, just like the X Division, was an incredible match. I would have to say th- those two are my like my highlights of the night: great opener and a great closer with th- with the triple threat matches.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, you got to like that they just book into the show with two very, very strong triple threats.
1: Yeah, and both are completely different in their own ways, especially this one. because we yeah. have three, With the exhibition, it was clear um, Black Taurus was the wild card because of his size and his strength. And of course, with Chris Bay and Ace Austin, they presented two different styles of an exhibition competitor. But we have three completely distinct different knockouts. We have Jordan Grace, who is who, re- who really represents the strength of the division. Then you have Diana Perazzo, who is the technical wrestler who uses her mind and, and intelligence in order to win a match. And then you have Kiera Hogan, who has the agility and speed and also stamina to, in order to make the, to in, in order to insert herself. And we are seeing that throughout this entire match. We see trade-offs to where. Deanna and, and Kira take on Jordan. Then it's Jordan and Kira taking on Deanna. And, and on the outside, we see Jazz, Tasha, Susan, and Kimberly. They don't get involved with each other, but they know not to get near each other or shit's going to go down. But in this match, we're seeing I, Deanna, even though she is the, she's not the more uh, fast-paced wrestler, the way she uses her, she's able to pick her moments very good. Whenever Kiera tries to charge her, she's able to really catch her mid mid drift, switch it into a a sunset or a roll up counter. Or the best way, she was able to get both of her, she was able to get her Fujiwara armbar twice on Jordan and on Tasha. And I liked how we see that she doesn't have to hold it on for long because the moment she's locking it in, Jordan breaks it up on Tasha, Jordan breaks up on Kiera, and then Kiera does the same on Jordan because they know exactly how dangerous that move is. But later, halfway through the, no, three quarters of the way into the match, Jordan is able to do, is able to reverse a double suplex into a double clothesline, where both Diana and Kira roll out the ring. But, you know, of course, with their accomplices and their uh, allies on the outside, shouting matches start to happen, pull-aparts, a fist fight start happening on the outside. Jordan Grace does a suicide dive onto all the women knocking them down. But it didn't help her for too long as when she was go- setting up to take out Kira, Tasha grabs Kira, rolls out of the ring for safety, which leaves an opening for Deanna to get another roll-up for the victory winning the match. But after the match, we see of course, all the the jazz Jordans, they start getting into it with Tasha, with Fire and flavor, but with Deanna and the others, they start getting in on the fun. But who do we see show up? O-D-B. Returning from that attack, she immediately bolts towards Deanna Perazzo, taking her down and laying her out. And, of course, she's at the end of the night, she is holding the knockouts tag. Not the tag. The knockouts championship, signaling that she is going to challenge Deanna for that championship. And that closes out the show.
0: There you go. I mean, what more can you say? ODB is one bad bitch. Man, let's face it, like she is... I, I love ODB. She was always one of my favorites in the knockout division. Just her intensity, her no-frills attitude and everything. Just the, that smack in the mouth just as soon as look at you kind of attitude that she had was always great. And yeah. I think it'll be fun to watch her take on Deanna for that knockouts title. Um, obviously, you know, obviously we've got Jordan and Jazz going up against Fire and Flava. That's going to be fun. All the different interlacing storylines here were just great, and obviously you've got the continued issues between Jazz, ODB, and Jordan, along with Deanna, Susan, and Kimber. That's going to obviously keep carrying forward. How all of that's going to intermingle is one one of those three person factions going to end up with all the gold. We will see, but... Uh, one way or the other, it's going to be a fun ride to find out.
1: Yep. That wraps up
0: everything from Impact. That's
1: every, that, that's all the matches and skits that happened on that Tuesday.
0: All right, all right, all right. Well, that sounds like a good deal. All right. Well, we do have one last little bit of business to take care of here tonight, and that is, of course, getting our predictions in for this upcoming Sunday. It is going to be AEW Revolution. We have a stacked Stacked card on tap, and it is going to be a heck of a night. We will, of course, be doing our live reaction watch along on my channel, Shimonator Productions. We will also be, like I said, giving out predictions here. I am currently two and zero in my predictions. Ryan, of course, is zero and two, and in fact, he still has a punishment upcoming. Uh, What's the status on the uh, the shipment of the the bomb beyond insanity?
1: From when I last saw, it was in transit.
0: Okay, so more than likely just because of all the other shipping problems we've been having up to this point, it'll probably be there, let's say hopefully by the end of the week. Well, so. they
1: did say Estimate was going to be either the 6th or the 7th.
0: Okay, so it'll be in by next week, but one way or the other. Yes, for those of you who had not listened to our other podcasts, so Ryan now has to uh, eat a chicken wing layered in de Bomb, Beyond Insanity, courtesy of Hot Ones. Uh, the previous uh, punishment he had was he had to buy me a meal so that was a lot of fun as well, and we will find out exactly what the punishment is going to be later on down the line. We will do a nice little reveal on that. Mainly, I like to do it where Ryan and I are both on video calls so we can see each other with what's going on. So that way, every, each person knows no shenanigans are being pulled. So, yeah. <laughs> but in any case, let's go ahead and take a look at the card that we've got on hand. So on the pre-show, we have a tag team match between Rijo and Thunder Rosa, taking on the team of Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, and Rebel. Ryan, who you
3: got and why? Hold on, before you go into that. Hot take, hot prediction, hot off the presses. The the Hall of Fame caliber talent that AEW just signed was none other than Retro Yoshan's T-Bar, who's going to cause a revolution in AEW with Le Champion. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah, gotta love the trolls whenever they come out, and R- Travis can certainly troll with the best of them. Uh, but yes, that, that is be- something that we will we will make a prediction on this time around. But yeah, <laughs> yeah that'd be a pull. That'd, that'd be pulling it in the rug. <laughs> yep, that'd be that'd be a heck of a thing. But in any case, Rijo and Thunderosa against Doctor Britt Baker and Rebel. Your prediction, Ryan.
1: I have to go with Rio and Thunder Rosa. And this has nothing to do with Thunder Rosa getting the win back against Britt. But it's the fact that Rio, it looks like she's now becoming fully stateside. Uh, and also, I think, most likely, uh, I mean, I i don't know exactly how much Rebel has, re- has wrestled in a while. I mean, she has wrestled obviously. I know that from her time in Impact, and she's done a few independent shows. But... It doesn't seem, to, but it's just the character are booking. A rebel it doesn't look like she's going to be a uh, wrestle ready by the time we get to uh, Revolution.
0: Yeah, <laughs> so I I'm mean, there's with... there's definitely going to be some shenanigans involved, but yeah, I'm going to agree with you. Rijo and Thunder Rosa definitely would probably have the advantage, especially being on the pre-show. I think they're going to want a face win to really kind of hype up the crowd, get them ready for the show. So, yeah, that's the one I'm going with as of right now. All right, our next matchup is going to be a tag team match once again. It is going to be Miro, the best man, alongside Kip Sabian, along with Penelope Ford at their side, taking on the team of Orange Cassidy and Chuck Taylor. Um, I think this is definitely where, uh, obviously, we know we were, they were building towards Miro and Kip versus the best friends proper, which would have been Trent and Chuck Taylor. But because Trent yeah. is out with an injury, Orange Cassidy is standing in for him. So I think this would have been where they gave uh, the best friends the win. So by extension, I think Orange Cassidy and Chuck Taylor are taking this one, especially as a you know, continued comeuppance over the servitude that Chuck Taylor has had to portray towards Miro and Kip Sabian over the last number of weeks. Uh, Ryan, your thoughts?
1: I'm, I'm kind of caught here. I do want to say that Cassidy and Chuck are going to get this win too. But also, I still think that there is a long-term plan here with Miro. That there's something there. I mean, look, it, I'm not trying to go crazy or out outside the box here. Mm-hmm. I just think that they there's something that there, there's something in the works. Um, but if I have to make a decision now, I'll go with Chuck Taylor and Orange Cassidy.
0: All right. Chuck Taylor and Orange Cassidy. So, so far you and I have both chosen the same on each of these. Well, hopefully we'll start diverging here in just a little bit because otherwise this predictions contest is not going to be very fun. No, it won't. All right. Oops, we got another voice message here.
3: A company having a long-term plan in Miro? I don't believe you. (laughs) What a jerk. Tony Conn has
0: said said on many occasions that he has a plan for uh, Miro. (laughs) Well, there you go. All right. Well, in any case, the next match we have up is going to be the Casino Tag Team Battle Royal. The winning team will get a future shot at the AEW Tag Team Titles. We got uh, Bear Mountain, we got Bear Boulder and Bear Bronson up against Bear Reynolds and yeah. Silver. Yeah, Bear Country. Yes, excuse me. Um, we've also got Uno and Grayson in there. Santana and Ortiz, Butcher and Blade. We got Private Party. We got uh, Top Flight, uh, Pac and Phoenix. We've got the Holly. Uh, not the Hollywood Blondes. Geez, the uh, Varsity Blondes. Varsity there blondes. it is. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, the Seidel Brothers, SCU, The Natural Nightmares, Lutheran Serpentico, aka Chaos Project, and along with The Gun Club and one other uh, tag team to be determined. Ryan, who do you got? And First of all, who's winning? And second of all, who's the mystery tag team?
1: I have no idea who the mystery tags will be. Um... I think for this Battle Royale to Uh, wait, give me a quick update who's in the – uh,
0: who are the other teams? Okay, so we got Bear Country, Reynolds and Silver, Uno and Grayson, Santana and Ortiz, Butcher and Blade, okay. uh, Private Party, Top Flight, uh, Pac and Phoenix, the Varsity Blondes, the Sidell Brothers, SCU, the Natural Nightmares – Chaos Project, and the Gun Club.
1: Okay. SCU, that's
0: what I thought, because if I remember
1: on Dark, SEU was doing this little storyline to where if they
0: lose one match, Daniels and Kazarian are done. Right. But well, that's talking pinfall or submission loss. Do technically battle royals count with that? That's yeah, the question. Yeah.
1: But, oh, man. I don't know. I feel to me that SCU would be the choice to bring that storyline back in. And also, if they do lose, this would help. This would definitely be a... Like, either... Finally, they need to either hit the go on Kazarian or Daniel. I mean, Daniels has been going... Becoming more of a backstage guy.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know what? I'm gonna go with... I'm gonna go with Silver and Reynolds. Okay.
0: All right. Yep. Silver and Reynolds. That works. So, again, like I said, because there's two points on the line here. I need a, I need a prediction. Who is the mystery tag team?
1: Mystery tag team. Um, the fact that we're seeing... The fact that they have this open door with Impact in New Japan. I think the Gorillas of Destiny will be the surprise team.
0: Okay. So, you're going to go with the Gorillas of Destiny... And you're yep. going with Silver and Reynolds to win. Yep. Okay. Sounds good. Awesome. Well, uh, much like you, I am also going to go with Silver and Reynolds to win because oh. they are. Let's let's face it. They AEW is wanting right now to push the Dark Order, so it makes a lot of sense. Honestly, I thought they were going to put. Uh, 10 over Caster to put him in the face of the Revolution ladder match, but obviously that didn't happen, but that's okay. So, but I'm going to go, like I said, I'm going to also say Silver and Reynolds are going to win. I'm going to say the mystery tag team, I'm going to say it's the Good Brothers. Okay, the Good Brothers, okay. I'm going to say it's the Good Brothers, because I don't think they wanted to face, uh, I don't think they wanted to face the Young Bucks for those AEW World Tag Titles on the Young Bucks terms. I think they wanted to do it on their own terms.
1: Yeah. It would make a lot more sense to why uh, he, why the, why the Good Brothers got themselves involved yeah. in the earlier, like, with the tournament when if the Bucks had won, they could have challenged whoever they wanted.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It definitely would it definitely makes a lot more sense when you look at it that way. So, yeah. So, we're both going for Silver and Reynolds. Because let's face it, those, those guys deserve it. Those guys absolutely deserve it. But then, yeah, you've gone for the Gorillas of Destiny. I've gone for the Good Brothers as the wildcard tag team. All right. <coughs> Excuse me. Sorry. I thought I had my mic muted there. All right. Next, oh, okay. we have the street fight. We've got uh, Team Taz composed of Brian Cage and Ricky Starks up against the TNT champion Darby Allen and the icon Sting. Um, I don't think there's going to be any shock or surprise for what's going to happen here. I do think it's going to be a lot more cinematically based than it is Matt wrestling based, but I am going to go out on a limb, not much of a limb really, but I'm going to say that Darby Allen and Sting are winning this one. What do you think?
1: I don't the to mind mine too. Now they could swerve us and give it to team Taz, especially, I mean, this We'll, I do feel this is definitely going to be a lot more cinematic. I mean, especially the fact that we've just seen Sting take a big bump from Brian Cage. And also Shaw. that he's becoming more and more physical involved. Like, uh, he had just, like, they showed him taking, dragging Hook out in a body bag. And then, uh, of course, his recently passed on Dynamite. He got into a bit of a fist fight with uh, Ricky Starks. But even then, I'm going to call it, uh, yeah, Sting and Darby Allen.
0: Yeah. Awesome sauce. All right, we're moving right along here. Next up, we got the AEW Women's World Title on the line. Yikaru Shida defending <laughs> against the winner of the AEW Women's Title Eliminator Tournament, Nyla Rose. Um, i got to be honest with you. I did not see this being the way that this card shaked out. I thought for absolute sure they were going to push Britt Baker to the end of that tournament and put her up against Hikatoshida. I thought. Wait, for- wait what did you say? Can you hear me? No, what did you say was the, was the match? It's Hikaru Shida versus Nyla Rose for the AEW Women's What's, World no title. No, it's not. It's, it's not. not. I thought for sure no, Nyla won that one. It's Ryo Mizaki. Oh, I'm sorry. I guess I read that wrong then. I thought Nyla won it.
1: <laughs> no, no. I remember. Yeah, me. Uh, re, uh, All uh, right, Ryu my bad then.
0: Yeah, okay. no, okay. but either way, like I said, I thought for sure that uh, Britt Baker was going to be the one pushed through this whole thing because uh, let's face it, Shida versus Britt is a money, money match. But um, yeah, so Rio Mizanami versus Hikaru Shida. Um, let's face it; I don't think Rio's sticking around much longer than is necessary with the whole travel restrictions going on and everything like that. So uh, Hikaru is winning this one.
1: Yeah, to me as well. I, uh, I sooner or later Shida will drop that title. I don't think it's going to be at Revolution. Maybe she'll drop it at Double or Nothing, or she'll drop it on a Dynamite, because um, this has nothing to do with the, the low number of women in the division. I guess it's just kind of who are they, who is going to be the one to take it off of Sheeta. Like, who do, who do they see right now? The fact that I'm seeing Thunder Rosa more and more on Dynamite, personally, I feel that she's the one up to date. But then also Britt Baker, she's now getting back in the circuit. I think she might be too, but Bray has not had the um, most uh, competitive matches so far
0: in her return. Yeah, that is very true. So then that may be another thing is with the whole match with um, Riho and Thunder Rosa versus her and Rebel is maybe more of a comedy thing just because she's not, you know, still at 100%. But who knows? Yeah. All right. Next up, we have the Face of the Revolution ladder match, the winner of which will get a one-on-one match for the TNT Championship. championship. Uh, We've got Cody Rhodes versus Scorpio Sky versus Penta El Zero Miedo, Lance Archer, Max Caster, and a mystery participant who has yet to be uh, announced. Now, we do know that Big Show, excuse me, Paul White, had mentioned on Dynamite this week that there was a big money name that was coming to AEW as a huge competitor. I have a feeling that that competitor is going to be the one involved in this match. Uh, I think Paul is going to come out there and introduce whoever this is to be in this match. So again, two two points possible on this match. Who is the mystery man and who is going over? So Ryan, what do you think? Honestly, my
1: brain's going across the place where the mystery person is. He said it's a legend, but he never naturally- no, he said it was a
0: Hall of Fame worthy career. He didn't necessarily oh. say it was a legend.
1: Oh, sorry, Hall of Fame worthy career. Okay, um, someone who Paul White. Like, I don't know honestly. Uh, so far with the big money match, I'm gonna go
0: with Hangman to win. Not gonna say wrong match, wrong match. Oh, sorry, sorry. The sorry face uh, of the Revolution ladder match.
1: Face the revolution. Oh, God damn it, man. Uh,
0: <laughs> you need me to run down the participants again? No, no. I'm going with Scorpio. <laughs> Scott. Okay. Yep. Scorpio is a solid pick. He really is. Um, yeah. Cause he's been, he's been killing it as of late, but I guess the only thing for me that's working against him at this point is he hasn't been on dynamite in quite a while. So maybe that yeah. works against him in a lot of ways. Personally, to me, if I had to pick a winner out of just the people who are listed here, I'd have to go between Lance Archer and Penta, to be honest. I personally um, think
1: Lance Archer would be the next challenger for Kenny Omega, depending on mm. what the result is of the main event match. But that, the only reason why I'm picking Sky is the same reason you said. He has not been on Dynamite recently. What better way to get him back on Dynamite is by giving him a shot at that TNT Championship we can build like maybe a good couple of weeks of him resting on dynamite, signaling to Darby Darbyan, calling for that championship.
0: You know? Yeah, maybe, but we'll see. Anyway, but like I said, I'm gonna I'm gonna lock in my pick and I'm gonna say that the winner is gonna be Penta El Zero Miedo. I think it's gonna be Penta. All, All right. right. Before we get to who the mystery man is gonna be, let's see what
3: The person winning for me would be Cody Rhodes to set up a unified four horsemen with Spears, FTR, and so on. Uh, Just kind of complete that, or not complete, but continue that story, so to speak, because there's history between horsemen and Dusty, which would drive a wedge between Dustin and Cody, which would be a nice little story in and of itself. But then the person who... Paul White would introduce would be himself, so he could have a heel turn on a pay per view, his first oh, AEW God. heel turn confirmed. Yeah. God
0: no. Yeah, I mean. Be, oh, <sighs> I see a joke in that, but yeah, no, and we know we know that baseball. AEW, we know that AEW is not afraid to make those inside baseball jokes every once in a while, but yeah, I don't, I don't know that they necessarily do that. Um, as far as Cody winning, he he honestly could, but I think. His time with the TNT title for the, at least in the TNT title picture for the foreseeable future is kind of done. And honestly, I don't know that he would want to do anything along with, you know, the, the horseman thing that's going on with Tully and FTR and, uh, you know, Spears and everything like that. Mainly because, let's face it, he's basically the consummate babyface that AEW has right now. Like, he's like the only person who I can think of who in that company will never turn heel because the people just love him too much. Especially being, you know, announcing that he and Brandy are getting ready to have a kid, and they've got uh, it's going to be yeah. a baby girl, and it's, all that other stuff. Like he, yeah, he I don't face. call it
1: ill timing. I don't want to call it ill timing or so, but it's like there's just these certain uh, these moments with Cody to where he just can't turn heel. I mean, Brandy, of course, when she turned when she was playing a heel during the first year of AEW, wasn't working up for her, so she had to be a face, and. It, and it has nothing to do with Brandy's ability as an entertainer or as someone who can portray a heel. It's just more of just bad timing or just not communicating what you what what character you are to the audience. And with Cody, he, he can communicate. he can really show who he is to the audience. No problem. But yeah, there's always been circumstances. Like of course, there could have been a great way for him to turn heel that in his match against Jericho, if he had won, he could have turned heel, but He did the smart booking decision to put himself in that corner, have MJF turn heel on him, so it was him and MJF, and then when he went for the TNT championship, there could have also been another way to turn him heel, but it was obvious the crowd wants him to be a face. He does tease it a lot, but now now with the announcement of him and Brandy expecting the child, that's going to be, once again, back in the pipeline until possibly maybe towards the end of the year, he might see a heel Cody.
0: Yeah. I, I'd, I'd wager maybe even longer than that to be fair, but yeah. Okay. So Ryan, I'm putting you on the spot here. Who is the mystery competitor that uh, Paul white was talking about? Who is probably more than likely going to be a part of this match.
1: Oh God, man. Okay. I have to think. Um, I don't know if it's somebody, it has to be someone who's had, well, yeah, hall of fame worthy
0: career, like, I know who the internet's immediately going to think it is. Yeah, let them think, honestly. Uh, it's like, because you know who I'm talking about, and I'm sure anybody listening to this knows who I'm talking about as well.
1: You know what? I'm really going to go outside of the box here, and I'm going to reach into Ring of Honor okay, and say the guy is
0: Jay Lethal. Okay, Jay Lethal. That's an interesting choice. Um, yeah, I would say, you know, if outside of any of the, the usual federations, yeah, I'd say he probably would have a, a a hall of fame career, you know, with regards to what he's done for ring of honor with the X division and, and impact and uh, everything like that. I could see it. Um, but also,
1: I mean, this, I think also kind of tags back into when they did their, uh, battle Royal at all out and their all Joker card was Matt's No, all out. Okay. No, because when they had Matt Seidel be their mystery guy for the Joker card. Okay, yeah. yeah. Oh no, that was double or nothing. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, or yeah, nothing. I'm gonna say yeah. My bad.
2: Yeah, it was it's double or okay. nothing.
1: Yeah, Matt, because Matt Seidel at the time he was mostly doing lots of work in uh, Ring of Honor, of course, and a couple in New Japan. So, yeah, I'm
0: gonna go with Jay Lethal. I'm gonna lock that pick. Okay, lock it in, Jay Lethal. <sighs> See, here's the thing: is I'm I'm torn. Because I'm trying to think who who could they have gotten either from the the big company up north, if you will, or yeah. any of the other places that would have had a Hall of Fame worthy career. You know what? I'm going to go on a limb here. I don't know whether it's actually going to pan out or not. I'm going to say Bully Ray. I'm going to say it's Bully Ray. Thing. That
1: would make sense, too, if it was Bully Ray.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm going to say it's going to be Bully Ray. But anyway, let's see what our next voice message is. What about Pat McAfee? Yeah, Pat McAfee. <laughs> I've heard Pat McAfee. I've heard Pat McAfee throw- floated around there. I've heard I've heard a bunch of different names. I've heard Christian floated around there because not a lot of people know what his WWE status is right at the moment. I've yeah, heard Christian, too. Yep, I've heard Kurt Angle thrown around because, again, I guess people just want to see him back in the ring for whatever reason. Um, yeah. And of course, obviously, the one that we're we're going to hear a lot is a guy who used to wrestle, went to NMA, got his got his ass kicked, and now people are expecting him to make a return to pro wrestling in some way or another. I'm just going to leave it at that.
1: But yeah. that that to me feels like that's that's not even an obvious choice to me. That just feels like. That's just the dream choice everyone wants to happen. Yeah, but that's just wishful this thinking fantasy booking this per- is what no, it this is. Person, to me, it's obvious. This person is done with wrestling. Yeah. He, this person's not going back.
0: Yeah, and especially considering one of the people who is in AEW right now is somebody who he is no longer friends with. Yeah. So, Alright, now we go to the big money match. Hangman Adam Page versus big money Matt Hardy. The loser of this match will have to give their entire Q1 earnings to the winner. Um, you mentioned it before. I'm going to reiterate it here. I think the safe bet here, and more than likely the one that makes the most sense, is Hangman Page is going over.
1: I mean, he does look like a safe bet on paper, but with my brain kicking into like a storyline building, because so far we're seeing with Matt what what he's been doing with Private Party by taking their money you know, taking more like more cuts of their money in order to build to his little brand of like his whole like to his earnings, and then now we've seen with this him going against Hangman, he's now bringing in TH2 into the mix. If Hangman if Hangman wins, not only with that hurt Matt, but it would also not not rob him of private party, but it would take away him hiring out TH2. Because they no longer have money to pay them, and then of course with private party, it's gonna it would be like this nice little storyline to where we'll see a wedge between between these three to where you, some your your Q one earnings were pretty much our earnings, so it would be a nice little storyline to have there. And of course with Hangman, him getting the money possibly could build into this maybe something with the Dark Order wanting to franchise themselves. You know,
0: I mean it's it's a possibility, but. Like I said, the main reason I'm picking Hangman is because, let's face it, the Dark Order is going to have his back, even with Private Party and TH2 sticking their nose in things. So that's why I'm going for Hangman, just because he's going to have the support of, you know, Alex Reynolds, you know, 5, 10, Johnny Hungy, Uno, Grayson. I feel like
1: Dynamite 10's definitely going to be in his corner. Uh, definitely Absolutely.
0: 5 as well. All right. Anyway, so my pick, like I said, is Hangman and Page. Are you locking in Big Money, Matt? No, I'm
1: locking in Hangman.
0: Sorry. Okay. Just wanted to make sure about that. (laughs) All right. Fantastic. All right. We've got two more matches up on the card. We've got the AEW World Tag Team titles on the line. The Young Bucks defending against Chris Jericho and MJF. Um, (laughs) I think this is going to be an interesting match, but... I don't think much is changing here, but before we get into it, let's see here.
3: What about it becoming basically an impromptu lumberjack where all of Dark Order's on one side and then all of Matt Hardy's uh, clientele, shall we say, is on the other side. And then Big Brawl turns out um, Matt Hardy somehow slips with a low blow, gets the cheap win over uh, Hangman. Because the ref is distracted keeping Hangman strong, but yet keeping ties to Matt Hardy's business ventures or whatever still there. If that well makes, makes sense.
1: sense. No, it, it kind of does. The fact that yeah. It didn't I didn't look past the fact that Matt Hardy would go for the cheap win. We'll, we'll try to go for a cheap victory.
0: Oh yeah, he absolutely will. The only the only reason I would hesitate to think that AEW would do that is that's some WWE level of booking where, you know, each of the two sides would start to get involved. So they'll, you know, restart the match with, you know, lumberjack stipulation and things like that. It's, it just seems like too WWE of a thing for AEW to do. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, I 100 agree with that. I do. All right. But in any case, uh, back to the World Tag Team titles. Uh, Young Bucks going up against Jericho and MJF. Uh, I think Jericho and MJF are going to come close. But I definitely think the Young Bucks are walking out of there with those titles because there's way too much money on uh, on the table to not do Young Bucks versus Gallows and Anderson, you know, titles versus titles or just the idea of the AEW world tag champs versus the impact world tag champs, even if it is non-title.
2: Yeah.
1: No, I do definitely see that. And that, that would be a fair, that that is the smarter choice. And, also, with MJF, if they lose, this will finally cement with the, the fall. It will probably c- cement the fall part of the inner circle.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Because we know MJF's been working on the inner circle. We know that he's been kind of being the manipulator, the puppet master, trying to get everybody to turn on Jericho. Sammy Guevara yeah. is now out. because, And that's the thing is I don't know how this whole impact versus – or not impact versus, but impact alongside AEW talent exchange is going to keep working now because if you believe what has been written, apparently Sammy Guevara was supposed to be the one in Black Taurus's place in regards to Decay, and he kept trying to pitch ideas that were different from what was laid out, and they had a like apparently Impact was pissed. So yeah,
1: Jericho had to really, Jericho and Don Callis really had to smooth things out.
0: Oh yeah. Because, I mean, and that's, that's the that's the problem with being young and wanting way too much creative control and things of that nature is it's just, it's, it's absolutely ridiculous to think of, you know, what, what these guys are able to do. And just Sammy just needs to take a step back. I mean, Sammy's young, he's going to make mistakes. He's going to, you know, he's not going to be the best judge of, you know, how to handle certain situations, but it's yeah. it just seems like he was dead set on doing what he wanted rather than what the script called for
1: yeah i think that's one of the downsides of him being working with the with her working with the guys at impact for so long he's he's gotten very comfortable with being able to pitch a storyline and see where he can go with it to where no in this company we're going to give you something and good or bad we need you to go with it
0: yeah yeah, and you're right. He got way too comfortable with the way things worked in AEW. And, you know, and maybe that's why he's on the shelf right now. Maybe that was a make good. It's like, look, Sammy, go home, take a break, you know, recharge your batteries, do your vlog thing, this, that, and the other. Let's let the heat die down a little bit, and then you can come back, and we will do what we can to try to work things back out later. Yeah. Uh, this and is I not think, the first yeah. time they've had to do that with Sammy, like when the whole – his comments on oh, yeah. Sasha Banks and things like that—that that was a whole media outrage that he had to go through, and that was, was not a good look. I mean, he learned to keep his mouth shut
1: when it comes with something like that. But now he has to understand, from the business perspective, you can't do anything. You can't. You cannot, and we mean cannot, no. interfere with what the business has planned for you. I mean, we want to believe that. I, I want to believe the wrestlers can pitch a good storyline that's better. Than what's on paper, but at the same time, if you have two, if if Jericho and Don Callum are able to smooth things out with Impact to lend Sammy to them, Sammy should be like, okay, I'm going to take this all in good faith. Yeah, and he'll learn that.
0: Yeah, and that's 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 the biggest thing is like, I and I think I think Sammy may have realized a little too late, or at least he was made to realize a little too late that this whole thing with, between Impact and New Japan and AEW right now is a really good thing, and it's a good thing for everybody because they can have fresh storylines and fresh things to do more often rather than just give, being given the old standby, sorry, creative has nothing for you. Yeah. They've got that avenue, and then by acting the way that he did, he severely put that in jeopardy, and I think he's being made to realize that now. Maybe him being off TV and quitting the inner circle in a way is maybe a quiet form of punishment without looking like punishment. Well, yeah, well,
1: everything's just going to be a wait and see moment, but, uh, but go back on our predictions. I am going to lock in that it is going to be the young bucks retaining the belts. And from there, we'll get the storyline of the inner circle falling apart and most likely seeing Jericho go face.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. All right. So we are both locked in for the young bucks. Last but not least, the main event match, the AEW world championship is on the line and I can't believe these words are about to come out of my mouth, in an exploding barbed wire death match. (laughs) What in the name of Merlin are we getting ready to see? If it's
1: it's anything like their previous match at Full Gear, the Lights Out or their unsanctioned match, that little bed of uh, barbed wire was definitely the tip of the iceberg. Yeah, like
0: this. This is gonna make that match look like a kid's thumb wrestling contest. For Christ's sake! <laughs> yeah, it's gonna. I'm not gonna say it's
1: gonna make Japanese death match look like uh, uh, play, kindergarten playgrounds, but they're definitely going to be. They're definitely going to be bringing death matches to America, whether you like it or not. I mean, if you thought, if everyone thought John Moxley craw- in a sharpshoot in a Boston crab crawling through broken glass was horrific, it was rough. Yeah. I can't wait to see what their reaction is gonna be. Where whatever structure they're gonna set up for this barbed wire match, hell, seeing Bar- Moxley climb up against a grate or a steel cage that's covered in barbed wire, having the camera zoom in on his hands, you see, yeah, like getting descriptive here, people.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm just, I'm picturing like saw levels of brutality here. Oh, so speaking of saw. After this
3: match, Kenny is gonna go up to Renee, be like, "You wanna see it there, bye." <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: I, will not, I will not be surprised if this prevents uh, uh renee from ever to be part of aw she's like if my husband's involved in this shit count me out
0: <laughs> yeah i don't i don't know that that's that's actually going to be the case because i think i think for sure like moxley mentions like anytime he is getting ready to do this kind of stuff he talks to renee about it and like even after the whole the lights out match at full gear she he looked at her and he said hey you know what you signed up for? And she's like, yeah, I kind of did. But I would not be surprised if this is the excuse that is given for Moxley being off TV until him Renee. and Renee's daughter is born. Yeah. yeah. That's why,
1: with that in mind, I'm going to go with Kenny Omega for this.
0: Uh, yeah. Like, there's, there's absolutely no getting around it. I mean, he's, he's only been the champion for about two months now. Uh, he's got a long road ahead of him. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if maybe over the summer uh, or even at, like, Double or Nothing or All Out, we get uh, with the whole uh, uh, New Japan exchange and things like that. I wouldn't be surprised if we got Kenny versus Okada for the AEW world title at some point.
1: Or, or from what I thought, what I said last year, the fact that Hangman is now, the, the fact that Hangman, I think we're finally going to get that payoff. Or the, uh, we're finally going to get Hangman to get pushed towards the main event, most likely, maybe, to, maybe at All Out.
0: I mean, I mean yeah, we're we're definitely going to get that payoff, and we're definitely going to get that match. I just don't know when. Like, it's gonna be, it's gonna be a long, slow build. And yes, we've we, it's been a long, slow build already with the, the the tag team run and the betrayal of Kenny, and now his his transition into the like hanging out with Dark Order and that's all of that other kind of I stuff. More and more.
1: That's why I think more and more with Hangman because when they like when we talked about when. Dark Order officially made their face turn. What was the face turn? They found Hangman's email to join mm-hmm. Dark Order. And that email from, I remember, the BTE, and Hangman sent that out because he was feeling down himself after losing to Jericho at All Out to become the first champion. So it would be a great tie back into his character that if sometime within maybe ma- after Double or Nothing, we start seeing Hangman Make the push to challenge for the ch- championship, and I kind of want it to be Kenny because then it's Kingman not only fighting his demons but also his past in
0: Kenny Omega, someone who had his back but then turned his back on him. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong, I think that's ultimately what we're going to lead to, but who's to say we can't have a nice little stop off in a replay of a New Japan rivalry oh, in between? Because let's face it, Okada versus Omega at like double or nothing. That's huge, especially if you do it on American soil like that's going to sell a lot of pay-per-view buys. And if by that point we've got, you know, arenas open to where we can even get in at like half capacity or anything like that, that's going to yeah. sell a shit ton of tickets.
1: Well, I mean, I'm pretty sure A.W. will be able to work it out. I mean, so far with Daly's place, they're able to at least get people into the bleachers or at least the no right. areas. And from what I've seen from a couple of Dynamite, some people are actually starting to get on the ground floor.
0: So yeah, Yeah, some, but like I said, we still got a long way to go. All right, guys. Well, that is going to wrap it up for us tonight. Thank you for tuning into this episode of talk about raw impact. It was a, a heck of a sojourn for our first episode in the new format, but we're glad you guys decided to join us. Hopefully you guys had fun and hopefully you'll join us again tomorrow when we break down both NXT and AEW dynamite. And then again on Saturday, when we break down Friday night, SmackDown. But uh, also don't forget, we do have WandaVision coming up first thing in the morning. We will be starting promptly at 5 a.m. Eastern Time for our live watch-along reactions and review. We will also be watching AEW Revolution live on Sunday night starting at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on my YouTube channel as well. That is Shiminator Productions, S-H-I-M-O-N-A-T-E-R Productions. So don't miss that. Uh, Ryan, anything you want to plug really quick? Well, uh, uh, then, yeah, follow
1: myself on Twitter, uh, Caramel underscore pain. Uh, I if, pe- if people are on here, love movie trivia, and are familiar with the YouTube show uh, Movie Trivia Schmodown, I have a YouTube channel called Mount Schmodown, where I go through the past couple of seasons of the Movie Trivia Schmodown by focusing on a player within the format and breaking down their matches, looking at their overall point. You know, overall ability and playability as a, as a competitor, and pretty much yeah, just doing like a thirty for thirty style to where we break everything down, and then yeah, check myself out as a as an occasional as a frequent guest on Shiman Air Productions with, with Wand Division coming up, and then of course with Revolution and the Pain on Whenever Falcon. What, what we're gonna get with Falcon and Winter Soldier, you'll see me there as well.
0: Yep, we will be doing stuff with Falcon and Winter Soldier as well. <laughs> So be on the lookout for that. It's a ton of fun. We got a lot of content coming your way. Thanks a lot for joining us, guys. Until next time, we will see you when we see you. Peace out.